and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy, James. Bend the knee. And this week we have a special guest, Esther's joining us. Hello. Three of us to take on the mighty challenge that is Game of Thrones. And this is off the back of our top five TV episode that we did a couple of shows back, which was a success. Everyone seemed to give yeah. us... Positive feedback. A lot of people wanted to get involved and tell us them. And we were thinking at the time that, you know, Game of Thrones was was a huge cultural thing. You know, it defined, everyone forgets that. It was only a few years ago, but it defined everything. So if you love Game of Thrones, you were talking about it around the water cooler. It was a, it was a watershed moment where it actually got people back to watching TV. And also, if you didn't watch it, you defined yourself by saying, never seen it. Like, mm. you wore it like a proud badge of honour. So it was like this huge continental thing that, you know, changed the way we think about TV. And in the top five, like, yeah. <laughs> Move on. Yeah, we didn't didn't make either of our top five. <laughs> no, fives. didn't even not even consideration because of the ending. Mm. And then I got to watching it, and then it turns out a friend of mine is really into it, and we had a blazing argument about <laughs> it. So we thought, why not turn that into podcast gold? <laughs> so this week is our follow up to the top five episode in a series of podcasts that we will release throughout, I don't know, the next year or so, where we'll stop and we'll take a break from our usual broadcasting, which is about movies and films on streaming services and cinema and old classics on the quest to find the greatest movies of all time. And we will do some special episodes, such as this one, on TV series. The first one being Game of Thrones, as James has set up. Esther, you're a big Game of Thrones fan. I am, I can't lie. So you're the reason why we're here today. You're welcome, guys. You're going to love it. (laughs) You're going to love it. I can't remember much of Game of Thrones, I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed it. I, I came to it late. I think I started, I waited to like season seven. I then th- I thought, I'll just watch them all now. You and, did? Yeah. And then and oh. then season eight came out and I was like, I was with everyone at the time. But um, I didn't I didn't get swept up on it when it started. I came to it really late. So I joined about season four. So I was watching it and everyone was like, oh, I can't believe, is he going to be alive? Is he going to survive? And I was like, what are you on about, mate? And like, <laughs> what? Jumped in on it. Yeah, I think I was trying to avoid studying for my A-levels. So I decided, what's the biggest like time vacuum? Let's watch Game of Thrones. And then after the first series, I was like, yeah, this is my life now. Series one, episode one. I've read the books. I hadn't read them all. I'd read the majority of the books and then Game of Thrones. And I was one of those people that was like, well, let's see how it is. You know, when I to me, it was the casting of Sean Bean. Mm. And I was just thinking, oh, this is going to be big. Because I knew the character. I knew what happened to the character. I thought... Wow, let's let's do this. True story. When I was in New Zealand, they were casting for Game of Thrones. Nice. There was these huge tents with these big banners saying Game of Thrones. And you were um, like, who? <laughs> Who's this? But I I've been like traveling for like ten months. I had a beard. I looked like I looked like Gimli. Like, <laughs> I, had this, I had this beard going on. I was like, in hindsight, might have got cast as an extra. Now thinking about it, but then they picked up all the production and came over to the UK and uh, well, they came to over to Ireland and parts of Europe, didn't they? But yeah. the original, I think they were going to film it in New Zealand originally. Oh yeah, um, what I like about it as well, if you, I think it was it was a different time um, to film something because I remember hearing that uh, Kit Harrington never actually met Amelia Clark for the first series because she was busy filming in Tunisia and he was filming in Northern Ireland. Well, that's the thing; it's all over the world. It was all over the world, Esther. You're right because <laughs> you got Croatia, you got Ireland. I mean, people now go on holiday to places that were in the films and there's this guy who's got like an Instagram account because who doesn't? And he's takes... Me. <laughs> yeah, you don't have Instagram. You do though, that's oh, the that's, thing. That's when I get the terrible titles, I always get I always get a notification on Instagram and I go, who's got an Instagram? Apparently I do, actually. All right. It's up there with Sam's blog. <laughs> but people go out and they take screenshots of the movie, of the series, and they'll go to those places and try to recreate it. So they'll see the picture, slide the picture away, and there's them. 
Yeah, my sister did the shame stairs, you know. Oh, with, that's cool. Yeah, I think she's been to a few of the, the locations, but... I don't think I'd ever want to, though. I don't know, I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got friends that did the Game of Thrones tour in Northern Ireland and said it was amazing. You get to sit on the throne at the end. The throne that looks like it's so uncomfortable. Well, did you, you see when the Queen went and she couldn't sit on the throne? <gasps> no. Because there is, there is a law that a Queen cannot sit on any other throne other than their own. Or is a that, King, obviously. Yeah, yeah, genuinely. Even though it's a prop and it's not a real throne... There's a photo of, the, I swear to God, this is true. Or Does the she internet. know what it rings a bell? Yeah, she, so she sat looking at it and it, it's in the article, it's like, it's, she can't sit on another throne. She did with the bum hover. <laughs> <laughs> so, she, so, so there's a close-up from the sun and you see there's a bit of an inch and she goes, still our queen. I like to think she looked at it and just went, shit, mate. <laughs> Mine's well better than where's, that. Where's the gold? Yeah. She's Skeletor's she... throne, mate. She would have sat right on that. <laughs> yeah, she would. She would have been at home. Well, she's got thrones all the time. Surely she doesn't want the world's most uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. She's a queen, mate. That butt's used to luxury. <laughs> Soaked it in rose water. Well, she doesn't want to snag yeah. the dress. Better than my porcelain throne, anyway. <laughs> right then, so we're going to talk about Game of Thrones. So I'm going to set it up. We're going to talk about key moments, favourite characters. We're going to talk about the sensation, the worldwide phenomenon. That is Game of Thrones. We're going to do a bit of a setup. So it's Game of Thrones spanned eight seasons. That's 73 episodes or 4,201 minutes of entertainment. Arguably one of the most watched series in TV history, but also one of the bloodiest, one of the most expensive, nominated, and also one of the most uh, accredited, nominated for 743 awards and winning 269 of them in its uh, eight-season spam. Whatever. <laughs> it's like, that's like, do you remember when we won podcast of the year two years later when we found out about it? <laughs> Yeah, we didn't even know it was nominated. <laughs> How'd you achieve that? Because because it wasn't a real award. <laughs> well, it, well, it, it was, but it wasn't like it wasn't like the world awards. It was just someone did an award that we won it, but we never got told about it. So this isn't like the Oscars for podcasts. No, it was, it was like Bob's list. <laughs> Cheers, Bob. Good hey. old Bob. Yeah. So what is Game of Thrones? Well, in a nutshell, it is the story of a medieval country civil war. Um did you you say you started it when it came out? Yeah, so straight away. So I was on nights at the time, and it's run run home. You know, like ooh, Game of Thrones. What can you remember anything about it? Like the the run up to it, the the trailers, the the, the anticipation, the what thing, it was. The only thing I can remember was um, uh, Sean Bean as Ed Stark just stood there with a sword. Mm. That was it. I don't ever remember seeing the trailer for it. I remember. St- and the thing was, I, at the time, I couldn't remember a Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones is not what the series of books are called. They're called A Song of uh, ice fire, fire, Ice and Fire, Fire and Ice. I always thought it was Fire and Ice. Um, but the first book is called Game of Thrones. I, I'd never remember. All right, I was wrong. <laughs> Esther gave me the look of, shut up, James, you're wrong. So, But no, I don't actually remember there being a big big deal about this because okay. I think, I don't, part of me thinks they, I don't know. I don't think they understood what they had. I don't think they thought it was going to be the way. I think they were thinking, maybe we get three seasons and a movie out of this. Mm. Thing is, though, when they did it, they were trying to find out who was going to make it. So there's loads of um, producers wanting to make it because obviously it's a big deal. It could have been the new Lord of the Rings. The reason that, you know, I don't really know how to describe the people who got it because, you know, we all hate them for the last season. (laughs) But the reason reason they got the gig was because they knew who Jon Snow's parents were. Yeah, so when they sat down with George R. R. Martin, he asked them, who's Jon Snow's mother. And when they answered correctly, they went, right, you can make it because you understood him. Yeah. Right, good. okay. But also, this had a, this is an unseen pilot of this. So this wasn't, you know, when you see episode one, that's not actually the pilot that sold him. They tried to do it like a few months before. Majority of the cast was still the same. I think Daenerys uh, was a different actress. Um, but it was apparently 
it was kind of more comical. It was really shit. And then the audience saw it was like laughed it out of the building. So that's when they turned it to a more dark fantasy, more like the books. Did they turn it dark? Mate, so dark. Wow. <laughs> uh, Premiere in 2011, uh, the works of George R.R. R. Martin. The show is set in the fictional continent of Westeros and Essos. Following a decade-long summer, the series then follows characters and houses battling to claim the Iron Throne, a.k.a. the Seat of the Seven Kingdoms, a.k.a. All of Westeros, bar the bit at the top that cuts off from the weird people. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. The wildlings, Mike. The wildlings. And beyond the wildlings, there's the land of forever winter. I'm good without that. No, oh, I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just trying to impress you, Aaron. There are 170 episodes. I'm just trying to impress you. Just, just be impressed. <laughs> there, there are three major plot lines to follow throughout the series. One is the Battle of the Lords of the Continent of Westeros. So that's the Baratheons, the Lannisters, the Starks, etc., all going for the Iron Throne. The second storyline is the rise of uh, Daenerys Targaryen, aka Daenerys Stormborn, the House of Targaryen, first of a name, the Unburnt, Queen of the Andals, and the First Men, Khaleesi, the Great Grass Sea, brother, um, mother of chains, mother of dragons. Fucking, how many names has this woman I got? The idea that she's mother of chains. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not even going to correct myself on this. You've got to run with that one. That's her new title. I. When I started watching it, I was like, what's this chick's deal? Like, I had no idea. Like, And I must have blinked and missed the storyline that she's like the rightful heir, that her family have like held the seat for 300 years and that, that her, who was it? Her dad went mad, yeah, the so, mad king, and, but yeah. she's the rightful heir to the whole thing. I missed all that shit. I was just thought, she's some angry woman <laughs> that, for, that for some reason doesn't set on fire well. So she's a Karen with dragons. <laughs> Karen with dragons. That's what I thought it was. Just Karen she's with dragons. Fucking, just... Trying to find the manager. That's all she was doing. Mate, I fucking love a series set in the real world where she's like, <laughs> she's waning weight throws. I'll get my fucking dragons. <laughs> but every time it cut to her, I was like, the fuck is this chick's deal? Like, why are we still going to this woman? She's not even on the continent. Yeah, I don't know. She's on like sand, mate. It gets everywhere. And then, the, of course, the third storyline is the Night's Watch. That's the armed guard unit that's protecting Westeros with this 300-mile wall that's 70 foot high, keeping out the gremlins, the ghoulies, the mythical creatures north yeah. of Westeros, the, uh, the the place where people are banished to. And there's the storyline that there's something lurking, something looming behind the wall. So there's three storylines that, mm. that intertwine. At, first question, out of the three storylines, which one's the most exciting? The Lord one. I, I love the political intrigue and this is where I think that I don't think the creators of the TV series understood where their audience is like. I like a big battle, mm. but North of the Wall, to me, is a bit boring unless they actually, when they go beyond the wall, it's fine, but stay staying at the wall in one location, as a storyteller goes, you need your characters to progress, to do something, to move on. And uh, so they need to do something. That... <laughs> sorry, I'm just gripping my drink and I fucking like it proper evil. Sorry, sorry, I'm just drunk from your cup. <laughs> if that happened in Westeros, mate. Um, so to me, it's, it's the Westeros storyline. I think North, uh, when you get to the war, it can be sometimes quite boring. Don't get me wrong. I like Jon Snow. Mm. I like Samuel Tarly. The nice king's got his what? <laughs> um, and like, some of my favourite moments do take place beyond the wall. Mm. However, it's all about the political, political intrigue. I like the vying for the throne, the the different, the, the hands behind the power, the power behind the throne. That's, that's where I personally sit. See, I think one of the best moments when you find out who Varys's little sparrows are and you think, oh, he's got this, he's got these little webs everywhere. You know, everything, mm. you know, he knows everything that's happening in every corner. Nothing is secret. He knows everything. And then you realize it's just children. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of, it fucks you mind, man. He, he's an interesting character. He's probably one that we'll talk about because he's one, I think the beauty of Game of Thrones, what I do appreciate about it is, season season you can change who your favorites are yes. you can change who your Easily. 
uh, the ones you dislike are. And quite often it's about who you pair with who gives you the best scenes. And often there's a character that I might not necessarily agree with the motives or, or agree with them as a, as a, as what they stand for, but you pair them with, so I'm thinking like Jamie, uh, with uh, yeah. Brianna Tarth, like them two together is screen gold. Yeah. Um, but him on his own, I'm like, yeah, he's a bit dodgy that bloke, isn't he? Yeah. Can't really yeah. back him. He's in. a bit dull on his own, but you pair him with someone who may or may not want to have sex with him. Cracking storyline. Because it brings put, out a different person. Put him in person. a hot tub together. Yeah. TV gold. Do you know what? I'd watch that. Yeah. It just, it's the weird. I did weird. watch that. Did watch that. <laughs> <laughs> that's in season three, I think. What I love about it is, don't you love it when you go into hot bath and then that's just an excuse to dump as much exposition as possible, which yeah. which Game of Thrones does because it's a fantasy tale. They've got so much backstory. I love it in those little moments where they just like, we need to shit out as much storyline as humanly possible. It's <laughs> like, he gets in the bath, his muscles relax, and he's like, I didn't actually kill the king. What he did was he tried to burn everyone and I felt a bit, and then Ned Stark coming and saw me sitting there and she's like, why didn't you say something? He's like, well, fuck Ned Stark. And I was like, oh, that's why. Thank you. Yeah. And that's also the point where the writers realise, hold on, people might like this character. We need to like, you know, make him not all that bad because he's so far he's shagging his sister and he's pushed a kid out a window. <laughs> it doesn't get much worse than this. Give him a gold hand. Like, <laughs> make him likeable quick. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's odd. He's the character's the Hound as well. Earlier, early seasons, not really a fan. Pairing with Arya Stark, and then all of a sudden, some gold moments. And by the end, an absolute hero by the end of it. Absolutely. Like someone you proper back. He's one of my favourite secondary characters. Secondary characters dominate in Game of Thrones. Yes, they are so you. much better than the mains. I think the main person for that is like Littlefinger. When he's with Varys, you're like, genius. Like, shit is going down. This is fantastic. Like, these little comments where they're debating and they're talking about stuff. They're saying so much different things to what they're actually no sorry I was, I was going to agree with you one of my one of my favourite things is because I've watched all the series so because I watched them at the time and I watched them you know you know you have to wait like nearly a year before the next series I've never actually this was the first week I've actually watched the last two series on repeat I'd only seen them when they've come out and I watched all of them in one go but the amount of times that varies or Littlefinger it's just in the story it's just you know episodes it changes it'll be Littlefinger he's sort of looking at the throne and varies will come up and go you like that phone, don't you? Next, I'm not joking, two episodes fucking later, they've just switched positions. And Varys <laughs> is looking at it. Littlefinger comes and goes, so you also like looking at the throne. It's like, is that not like common area with seats? <laughs> it's very designed, King's Landing, because it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, there's a lot of gossiping, isn't there, in that? You know, thank God it's not a time of like tape recorders and CCTV. <laughs> oh, they'd be screwed. Yeah, because I'm, I'm surprised certain characters got as far through this show as they did before being outed. And yeah. we'll get we'll get to that, I suppose, with um, favourite death scenes, which I'm certain we're going to oh, talk about. Do you see? What, what, so where, where do you stand? So uh, my understanding is Esther's with me. She like You like the political goings on in Westeros. Oh, yeah, I'm here for the drama. I'm all about the war in uh, Winterfell like the war. and then the war. In, in the earlier seasons, that's, that's where my intrigue was. Because it, I was all about the what you didn't see. So you introduced very early on to Cersei and the, and, and the Lannisters and, <clears throat> you know, the the kind of the good, the bad. That's set. I was more interested in what don't we know about. Yeah. And from that first episode, it, it, it forebodes that something is coming. Yeah. And I'm like, right, shit, that's where the action is. The Daenerys stuff gets great. But that gets really good. When she starts forming that army, yeah. you're like- But it's a slow burner. It's a slow burner, but you know that when, when she crosses the sea, that shit's going to hit the fan, and God Almighty does it by that last season. Um, but for me, it was... a shame it gets everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it, it weird, though? Like, when you think... Of, we talked about Coen Brothers last week, and we talked about their world building and, you know, like, the scope of, of how they kind of make their movies. 
in this, I always felt like King's Landing and Winterfell were days away, like serious Yeah, I, feel like, I was like weeks. And but, I think they take months and the, like a month. But, but that's always, the whole point. The whole point is that in medieval kingdoms, you had to travel on horse. It was whoa, a journey, whoa, whoa. it was a quest oh, no, to do not, anything. Not in them last series, mate. No. <laughs> so last season, of, you can go across the whole of Westeros in a second. Well, when you've got a dragon. Mate, I'm going to say that. No, it's that, on a boat. The varies, mate. Varies in, in like season six, last episode, gets to Westeros and back just so he can come back again. <laughs> mate, He's demon, but frequent miles. He's fucking. But Winterfell to the to the wall is half a day. Yeah, if you yeah. know, like I always felt. I mean, I know that they are both north, but you always got the impression that they were pretty close. I like the idea that the wall was a place where people got exiled to. Yeah, that they had to like serve the sentence out that way. I like the whole aspects with it, like their outfits, you know, and 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 also James Cosmos is up that way. Mm. Why wouldn't you want to hang out with him? Exactly. No, there's a great some great characters in it. So in terms of the three storylines. And and the characters. One of the big big things about Game of Thrones, which I love, is just how it can change. And Jon Snow might be your favourite, but then all of a sudden, you know, it, it's it's Jamie Lannister's doing something that's really interesting. And and I think that was really clever writing. Something that love, hate, or loathe the last season. That some of the golden moments in it are how the writers kind of manipulate storylines so you back a different family or a different house or whatever it may be. But I think that's where the sort of the the hate of the last series comes from. So I was saying with Littlefinger earlier, he was cracking to begin with. It was political intrigue. It was wit. It was mm. really intelligent writing. And then at the end, he's suddenly at a meeting. It's like, by the way, we're coming for you. We have a, we've done all this secret planning and, you know, we got you now. Then, Came out of the blue. And also, if he's so intelligent, I, he wouldn't he, have had that. Yeah, but he, he did well to last as long as he did. Game of Thrones, though, has that, <clears throat> has that what I call waiting around. Rob Stark. So I read the book, so I knew Rob Stark was going to die. Obviously... Rest in peace. Obviously, I don't get over it, right? <laughs> right. Everyone knew he was going to die read the books. And if you didn't know the books, but if you look at his storyline in the third series, he does nothing. He mm. literally just stands around and is like, I'm waiting to die in episode nine. Here he is in episode three, doing nothing. Here he is in episode four. We haven't forgotten about him, doing nothing. He basically exists so he can just die. And I agree with you. Little fingers should have done more. And I'll tell you later when we're talking about the final series, how I would have fucking rewritten that and turned it into gold. However... He would. He did. If you watch that series, he does nothing but look at look at characters again. It does that thing where he's just stood there. It's like he's talking, and he'll have a look. <laughs> Usually, he's above them. <laughs> he'll have a look. And the favorite thing is when he tries to give a knife to fucking Bran, who's in the wheelchair. He's like, "Here's a knife." He's like, "Cheers." You'll know when to use that. <laughs> just fucking horseshit. But um, yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. One thing you, uh, one thing about the TV series though is they did get bloodier as they went along. So here's some statistics for you: deaths by season. Season one, fifty nine deaths. Season two, hundred and thirty. Fucking dialogue. Season by season three, eighty seven. Got a bit slack that season. Season four, one eight two. Oh, there you go. Season five, two hundred and forty six. The NHS was swamped that season. (laughs) Season six, (laughs) five hundred and forty. Season Christ. seven, 1,096. And season eight, 3,523 deaths. So that makes a total of 5,863 deaths, which is more than the population of Meveringham. <laughs> it's such a specific place. Well, he's got a point. Yeah. <laughs> According to uh, statistic.com, do you know who the biggest killer is in Game of Thrones? The most deadliest character of all of them? The Night King. Nope. No, it's got to be Danny. Nope. Because the dragon technically killed. Oh, oh okay, fair enough. Um, Jon Snow. Nice, Arya Stark. <clears throat> One thousand two hundred seventy-eight kills. How? I think she does a lot of mass poisoning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. So uh, Drogon the dragon comes in at five oh eight. 
Rengel the Dragon comes in at 273. Cersei Lannister, which I imagine is when she blows up the Sept, yeah. 199. And then Jon Snow, uh, 103. Now, Jon well, Snow, Jon I suppose, does the work. I was going to say, he does the majority of his work. Yeah. He's got no... Oh, he does have a dragon at one point. He doesn't fucking do anything with I it. I mean, let's. Let, does he have a dragon or does he just go for a little bit of a ride? It's because they need to get him out of the storyline for a bit. <laughs> so it's just like, go ride this dragon in a, in a fucking ice storm, you pillock. <laughs> Uh, all the so the main players in this. So if we look at the cast, so Nikolai Costa, Waldo, Peter Dinklage, Amelia Clark, Kit Harrington, uh, Lena Headley, they were all on five hundred grand an episode by the end of this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's mental. There's a reason why like Peter Baelish, little finger got killed. I was like, because we're bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Dinklage was uh, the most acclaimed from the whole TV series, so coming away with over forty awards, uh, and deservedly. Yeah, do you know what? I was going to gives- say. It's a tour de force, I think. And I, to be honest, I didn't really know his work before. I'd seen him in Elf, but I ate that film. <laughs> so, thing is, he's consistent. He he's is one consistent. of the most consistent actors throughout it. And he's the character that you get to rely on the most because he has a, fig- a physical disability, as in he is a dwarf, or you know, he's labelled as the imp. He's he's automatically the downtrodden. You know, people treat him like shit. The only reason he survived is because of his name. Everyone treats him with disdain. And when you first meet him, you're not sure if you're supposed to like him because he's a horror, he's a bit of a drunk. You're like, you don't like the Lannisters, you need to know where he stands. It does take like a whole series before you start getting on the It's the Blackwater episode, isn't it? Yeah. When you realise yeah. that he's the he's the brains, not power. Yeah. You know, when he comes up with that that plan. But I, I think as well, I, this connects back to what we talked about with Littlefinger. If we talk about him, Dinklage and um, Varys, what's his name? Varys. Varys. The Hands. <laughs> yes. That... That is the role that you want, isn't it? You're like, yeah, all that fine looks a bit. Look, yeah. oh, the thing is, you it. don't want the throne. You want to be the hand of the king. Exactly. That's where the power is, but also the biggest red target. And the, do you know what I really like about it as well? And this is all from the first series. Is it's bec- And I've realised it subverts it. Now, it's more noticeable on the big screen if you've not read the books, but it's the idea that the real power is the hand, but that an honourable man can't win. Mm. The whole idea that Ned Stark's comes from Winterfell, you know, there's a conspiracy about who killed his friend John Aaron. And or his father figure, and then it's basically it's about you know his friendship with Mark Addy. Well, I think Mark Addy is brilliant. You know, Mark Addy came in, he plays uh, the king, and you know he's there for fun, gorged by a boar, gorged by a boar. But he's also you know he's like find this you know like fucking Sean Bean's like you're fat. And it's mm. just brilliant. It's just their friendship is brilliant. But then you learn that basically every time he wants to do something honourable, like the crown's in debt, so he's like, well, let's not do anything. Let's you know let's pay off this debt. He's an honourable man. He wants to do the right thing. And by the end of that first series, spoilers, he's dead mm. because he doesn't play the Game of Thrones. Wait, he's, Sean Bean dies? Mate, go back. He's not even the one that dies the most. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, I just, I, I really like to like spin it on its head. You know, we grew up in a world of fantasy. You know, Aragon, Aragon does the right thing. You know, he saves man. He doesn't get corrupted by the ring. In this, look, you do an honourable thing, you're going to die. Mm. A lesson not learned by Rob Stark. Or any other honourable character in this book, <laughs> except for Jon Snow. But really, no. Because that was the big thing, was it, from the first season, is that you, in the Game of Thrones, you live or you die, there's no middle ground. That was the kind of the big thing, yeah. wasn't it? But I think honour's really interesting in it because you've got the sense... So if you think about Elena Tyrell, mm. she's an honourable woman, but she knows how to play dirty. You know how to play the game, but it doesn't... And you have to sacrifice a lot of morals. But the whole point is George R. R. Martin was writing about history. So many of the examples are literally ripped from the pages of history. And he's just added a dragon, added a bit of magic. It's his own thing now. So it's, more, it's a commentary on now, but it's mm. also, you know, let's shoot some dragons. I think um, Esther would be quite at home killing people from that answer. I just think she would win in the game of thrones. <laughs> you and I would be like pissing about, going, there's a dragon, and Esther would be the real power. 
Yeah. You and me would be like, that. you and me would just be riding around on horses. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> fuck, yeah. fuck me a horse. <laughs> no, it's when Danny's in Marine, they're like, oh no, your dragon's burnt my goats and now I can't eat. And oh. they're like, but the I'll dragon be, was hungry, mate. I'll be honest, season two, Daenerys Stormborn, first of her name, the rightful king of the seven kingdoms. Mother of Chains. And Mother of Chains. <laughs> Breaker of dragons. <laughs> Carried, free carried of, uh, free of slaves. <laughs> Nightmare to organise. <laughs> fucking what is going on here? Could you imagine hair. having to organise her parades? Mm. Mate, just, just what I love about it is that is that I think the she, conditions they don't oh, God, yeah. they don't leave like what I can only assume is a gargantuan amount of shit behind. Them. <laughs> <laughs> just like just this massive pound. Like who's got the toilet paper? It's the statistical and the anomalies. But her whole second series where she just like loses her dragons is a, is is in a dusty kingdom. I, I'll be honest. People say the downfall of Game of Thrones the last two series. Watch season two, Daenerys, that is bullshit. But there's enough other stuff going on. Yeah, there is. But Daenerys, you're just like, you could have not had her in this series. It would be fine. (laughs) Just not have her. Amelia Clarke, though, is is one of them actors where I think undoubtedly, you know, it's it's done well in in the fact that Game of Thrones, I think she's a real star in it. Mm. And her her movie career, you know, she's been in some good franchises, but hasn't really kind of... Pushed off, you know what I mean? And, you, and you're talking about Genesis, man. Just say it. Just say it. I'm talking she, about Terminator's one, yeah, yeah. That would have been perfect casting, though. Her as a young Sarah Connor, to me, is like perfect casting. And then when you see the film, you're like, better writers needed. Mm. Oh, it, that was a bad film. I mean, me before you, she has Bumblebee tights. I'm just saying, if you can't beat Bumblebee tights, what can you? Right. That's our show for this week, ladies and gentlemen. If you've uh, enjoyed... Oh, no, we'll keep okay. <laughs> um, I'm cracking, but, you know... Uh, yeah, there were, there was every episode's got weak points. Every series has got the down points, but there is in every series a standout, standout moment. <clears throat> Always. Even in the last series, and this is what caused our argument, because we were talking about <laughs> how all the characters ended up, and I was like, you're wrong. We'll get into that. I, I, I think for me, watching them in the, in, so as I said at the top, I didn't watch these when they came out, so I didn't get the week wait, I didn't get the year wait for the next season. I, I binged it. And certainly from that perspective, the show picks up at halfway around season four. Mm. There's like a spin on its head when you realise how much you like Tyrion. So I think the rumours were that series one and two, they wanted to get people in. So it was just like as much sex as they could possibly throw at the screen. And that's why there's some scenes. So I watched episode one with my parents. Awkward. Yeah, we just got Sky. (laughs) And we were like, oh, this is a new drama. Let's see what it's like. Five seconds in, I was like, right, I'm going to head out next door. (laughs) Like, Cheers, I'm going to go to my room now. Yeah, see you <laughs> don't, later. Don't knock on my door for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, they're brother and sister. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that first season, it, um, it was hard to get through. The Sean Bean carries it. Oh, the first series, when you look and back Lena on it, is, is the weakest. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I suppose. Yeah, there's no, big names in it. It, it does enough to... The thing is, it does what it needs to do, which is set it up. I thought it was very daring because I always thought they were going to let Sean Bean survive. Mm-hmm. Purely because I didn't think this series could handle the loss of their only star name. HBO do this. HBO spends so much money on budget writing, set design, that it always leaves them and they have to pick unknown actors. Let's be honest, Peter Dinklage wasn't an A-lister before this series. Emilia Clarke wasn't. Kit Harrington wasn't. The biggest name they had was Sean Bean, whose character was going to die at the end of the series. So they did a phenomenal job of turning these people into fucking movie stars, you know, A-listers mm. of TV. They, they did a phenomenal job because they needed to, because they needed them cheap. Problem is, by the end of the, when the series went on and on, and they were still good, they were like, we have to pay you more. You can't just recast Peter Dinklage. You can't just get rid of Kit, <laughs> Kit Arrington. You needed these, so you had to pay out the nose for it. But that's HBO, and I, I don't know what the point was, but good on them. 
<laughs> that was it. So the first one, I genuinely thought they were going to keep him around. And when they actually killed him off, I was like, well, here we go. And the second series for me, just, and I like the first series, but the first series is the weakest mm. because it has to set up, it has to set up the storyline, it has to set up everything. And I remember when he died, I was thinking I was really sad because I was like, oh. It's Aya's face when he dies. Oh, no, sorry. I was sad because I didn't think there was going to be a series two. I was like, they've killed him. I was like, I don't know if people are going to like this because series one of Game of Thrones wasn't the cultural success that it was like by season three, mm. season four, when everyone was talking about it. Season one was like, yes, what? Yeah, Game, Game of Thrones is a taboo series, like franchise as well. Like it didn't stray away from, you know, it wasn't, it's like a Rob Zombie movie. It, it's like, it's not just enough to show you the gore and the grim. It's the, it's the secondary stuff. It's, the fact that Ned Stark gets beheaded in front of his children, you yeah. know, and, and that, you know, or it's... There's layers. Yeah, it's not the fact that it's, it's layers you know, the horrible on, on a wedding yeah. day, someone gets killed. They're also pregnant. <laughs> you know, it's those things. It's like, it's just that extra layer of like, fucking grim. Like, this <laughs> yeah. All, yeah, she's adorable, that little girl. Burn her at the stake. You know, <laughs> you know like the show is just, just full of that stuff. I just wish they tacked on more. It's like, Oh, that girl's adorable. Put her at a stake. It turns out she got tickets to Legoland the next day. <laughs> just like, oh, she's yeah. got a winning lottery ticket. Yeah. Oh, what does yeah. everything happen to bad? She was just she was just on a fucking tour of the set, and they pulled her in. <laughs> Burn her. Burn her. She went full method. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it, it was grim. It's hard to watch. It was hard to swallow a lot of it. And by, I mean, by the end, by I think after the Battle of the Bastards, mm. it then. The, season seven was like the greatest hits and that, season seven I think is one of the best seasons in tele, tele, television history see so you're on your own because everyone everyone says sorry not to say everyone the majority say the grand kism starts after season four because season four you'll have to help me out is that the one where Jon Snow dies I think so because Jon Snow that's where he died that's where the books end and people thought that Chris B bend off and the other gentleman Benny off and Vice thank you see he told you mm. mate um they they started going off their own script. However, I George R. R. Martin was still well invested into this show. See, mm. I don't think he was. I think his motion checked out. I think he was he was done because his his stories. He'd stopped writing Game of Thrones. He's currently writing spin-offs and completely other stories. He'd given up on Game of Thrones because it started a gigantic task, and then was like, oh, it's a lot of work to finish it, mate. This, that mm. and do you know what that comes on to? So fans of the books. This is probably the only ending they'll ever get. The series after that. That's what. But I think what I mean by George R. R. Martin, I think he told them where they should go. I think there's some right. We'll get into he it. He was an advisor I, still all the way through. Yeah, it. but I'm but I'm with Aaron, and I'm I'm with you, mate. Mm. But the series that you're talking about, going beyond the wall with your little your little A team. Yeah, like, I'm with you, mate. And Do you know what they were the I best could, team you could have. Yeah, I could, that's what I mean. So everyone says thank you. Everyone's still talking about oh they're very weak. Do you know what in that series you had them go beyond the wall, but you also had Daenerys use her dragons to take out Jaime Lannister. You had some great stick out moments of that. And you also would not think you're going to get there from season one. Exactly. Season Thank one, you. you don't think you're going to get them characters together to on a mission. Exactly. And, and to be fair, there are, I've I wrote some standout moments that will go through kind of towards the end of it. But that to me is one, that that episode, uh, I think it's called Fire versus Ice or whatever, when they are on the little island, mm. you know, separated by water. And it's the Ice Dragon episode. But that episode is brilliant. All your favourite characters are oh, there see, bickering mm, and arguing. See, this, mm, mate, thank you. Fucking love that episode. You know what, my toes tapping. I'm getting annoyed. Maybe it's a guy thing. Maybe it's just no, guys want that. No, because there's so much that's missed. Like, yeah, they knew what the end point was, but they didn't have the intelligence or the material to bulk it out. Like, if you think about season one, that's literally the... the Sean Bean has found out that, you know, different hair colours exist. That's mm. the whole series. I love I love the fact that he has to read that in a book and he, it's like the eyes don't exist. It's like the back of hair. It's like, oh my God, he's got a point. His hair was black. 
My and colour also, blindness is gone. And also, like, he doesn't understand how genes work. <laughs> it's like, it's like, but sometimes it could be different. Hair. I always, I always felt like. Where's well, the ginger from? I always felt like they, they missed the greatest cameo of all time, though, is when he should have come back, risen. Because in, in the last episode, in, in the uh, in the night, the long the night. long night, yeah. Because yeah. the, all the all the dead rise from the tomb, and you yeah. would have thought, how cool would it have been if a like mouldy Sean Bean came out carrying his own head? Fuck it, that would have been that would have metal. No, the, Robert the, Baratheon having a grump. Yeah, yeah. The two I'd of them love just that. bickering. Well, Lyanna Stark comes out. She's like, Jon Snow is my son. <laughs> it would have solved story. everything, mate. <laughs> Sit down. I've got to tell Sorry, you. guys. Should have written a note. So burning question then is... <laughs> Should have told at least someone. Who is your favourite Stark is the, is the question that we're going to ask then. So favourite Stark. Um, this is a universal one, I think. I'm not going to tell you. Go through them, but I think we've all got the same. So you got Bran. Sansa, uh, Rob, uh, Rickon. Uh, I guess you've got to put him in there. <laughs> he does exist. He does exist. Uh, you've got John, you've got Eddard. Hey, any calls for Benjamin? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I think Benjamin. So moving on. I, I love, I love Benjamin in the fact that his job is to uh, show up when you've written yourself into a dead end. <laughs> it's like, well, Bran and uh, Mo, uh, Mara can't outrun the undead. Who's going to save them? Um... Benjin. <laughs> Benjin shows up saves him. Later, Jon Snow is about to get killed by the undead. Who are we going to get? Benjin hasn't been around in a few seasons. Get Benjin. So, you know, MVP award for, for guess it, but no, he's not the best. Um, Do you know what? There's a lot to be said because there's no WhatsApp. There's no IM. But he knows where to be. And also, I love the fact that his is the most, it's like, why are you like this? He's like, oh, uh, they... They put dragon glass in my heart. It's like, but that's what created the White Walkers. He's like, yeah, but then they did magic, and it, and I'm and I'm not bad. And then you go, well, why don't they just do magic on the other ones? Then? Right, there's some holes in this. I'm not gonna plan. lie. I'm not gonna lie. It's been a while since I've seen it. I don't even know the character you're on about. Because <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't drag- appear in ninety percent. Who has dragon glass in the heart? No. So so do you remember? <sighs> I should have said at the top of this episode. I I'm not going to pretend to be a like super fan of Game of Thrones. I've seen it once. Um, Jon Snow goes to the wall with his uncle, doesn't he? Yeah. Uncle Benjamin. That's. That's, oh him, that's Sean. Yeah, but then he—he he, the first season ends with he goes missing beyond the wall, and so all the Night Watch for one person, yeah, yeah, yeah. decide to go north of the wall, yeah, and they spend the whole time looking for them. Then he shows up later, and he's kind of got mouldy skin, yeah, yeah, because he saves Bran, and then later he shows up to save John. But other than that, doesn't exist, mate. Benjamin Stark go fuck himself. <laughs> anyway, is—is is that irrelevant? I didn't even write him on my notes. <laughs> I, I know. Um, Starting off with Ed, I, like, I think he's great, but his his purpose is to get you through the first season. Is to get people's interested. Ed Stark is is the is the one that you should love. You know, he gets the interest. He gets the interest of the viewers. We see the world through his eyes. We see the eyes through uh, a moral man, and then he gets cut off. Literally, his head gets cut off, and basically, we're supposed to be as an audience shocked. We're drawn in, and it's like, so who wins the Game of Thrones? So that was brilliant. However, it's eight seasons long. He's only in for one season. The best thing you can say about him is there doesn't go a series that they don't mention Ned Stark. That's yeah. how good yeah. the character is, and I really like that because the later scenes with uh, old lady Tyrell, she's um, she's talking to Varys, and she's like, I, they're talking about Sansa. So I really admired her father, and she says, "Well, who, Grown, stu- who stood up for him? Growing strong, mate. <laughs> Growing strong, mate. <laughs> yeah, he is." Um, she says, "Who stood up for Ned Stark when Joffrey came for his head?" And he's like, "No one." It's like, "Yeah, so honor, honor means nothing." And I really liked that. Mm. He remains honorable throughout. She's but that's badass. the thing; it sets. 
Ed, Ed, just my mate Ed. 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 Um, he's there to set you up for what the show is about. Mm. Honor will get you nowhere. He is mm. the one who shows you brutally from the start that loyalty, friendship only matters when the right people are there. So it's about who you know, but who you know, change, uh, who you know is no longer in power. So mm. you're nobody again. He lost his head. Edless Ed. And also, you've got to question the guy that rules Winterfell because that's, that's not really the place you want to be ruler of, is it? it it's not a lot. It's a bit of wall, bit of hay. But you're northern of, man. A couple of stables. Yeah, he's, honest, yeah. It looks, I love the cold. It looks too cold for me. But it's, it's, it's coming <laughs> off the back of a 10, 10 year summer, isn't it? That was the point. Like, yeah, so, yeah, children of summer. Yeah. So the fantasy is, the fantasy element is that, that, they last for however long they last. Mm. And that's really cool. I like that. Except for, except for his house words, Stark house words are winter is coming. So I don't understand what they say when winter is here. Yeah. They just go, yep. <laughs> what are your house words? Told you. Yep. Yeah. It's just like, thank you, the Met Office. <laughs> <laughs> so who is your favourite Stark? Um, Aya Stark. Aya? Aya Stark. She's brilliant, mate. The, the So every character goes through something that you don't care about. Any storyline. Hers, her, her weakest moments when she goes to Bravos. She learns how to be no an one. assassin. She learns, thank you. She learns to be no one. But despite the fact that it was her lowest, she was still phenomenal. I loved everything. You know, you talked earlier about her, her, her travels with mm. Sander Clegane, the Hound. They were phenomenal. Absolutely loved them. That's brilliant. The scene where they get to the Airy and she's told that Anthony's literally two days ago throwing herself out and she just starts laughing, mate. I'm with her. And some of my favourite moments of all time, the scenes in the second series when she's with Tywin Lannister and they play a phenomenal game of cat and mouse. Yeah, you know? that's good. The Charles Dance stuff. The Charles Dance That to me is, the uh, spoilers, it's my favourite Game of Thrones moment. I think that is the best. I, the scenes, I, I, when I watched them, I rewound them. I researched them. Charles Dance said they're the favourite things he's ever done. He mm. loved working with Maisie Williams. And do you know what? It showed. I start call away. No one can kill the Night King. No one did kill the Night King. You know, she's everywhere, mate. I'm That's even... the thing, it's the linguistic bits of it. Yeah, so... I, I do. To be fair, I think I agree with you. I think she's my favourite in the sense that she has so many highlights. She's the rightful person to stick it to the Night King yeah. at the end, even though, fucking hell, we've been waiting eight seasons for that dude to appear. Yeah. I wanted and then a bit he's over more. and done with. Yeah, but, you know, I, she's, she's awesome. There, there are real highlights. Like, I love the... I can't remember the dude's name. Bravis, was it you said? Bravos. The first, the first, the guy who teaches us. Yeah, the guy's like, I, you know, Yakin, you saved me, so I'll kill three people Yakin for you. Nicar, right, yeah, I, I love that idea that he like appears, but then it gets a bit Mission impossible with fake masks. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, oh, that's a bit unfair. Well, they're because not fake masks, are they? They're actual, they're actual skin. They're actual but, skin. But with, I've seen Texas Chainsaw Mask come out. You know the difference. Yes. Yeah. How does the eyes work? Because you just put it on. The eyes wouldn't blink, but I'm, I'm talking logistics. But, <laughs> but there, there is also, there it's are magic, scenes. magic, mate. That's, that's the get out. There are scenes where she's, where she's going through her like training montages and, he, and that guy, and he's just like, what is but a name, but a face, but a name, but a face. And he's like, shut, shut up. up. <laughs> you know, who's your favourite star, Esther? See, it's going to be Aya, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to put in a strong vote for Sansa because you watch season one and you want to bin her off. You want to tell her to go to a room and start having a paddy. I like Sophie Turner. I think she's funny as out and a lot of her TikToks and stuff. And oh, she, she's great. When she spills the tea. That is what I mean. Yeah. And that's the tea. They're, all the videos <laughs> are fucking brilliant, but... I don't know. There's something about her where she starts off great. Then I forget about it. And at the end, she's some badass. And I'm like, hold on, what, what happened here? But if you, you think know? about it, she's... So in the books, I know she's not the one who has the Ramsey wedding and all that stuff that happens to Elaine. Or there's another... No, no, it's Elaine. They fake it and pretend she's uh, Aya Stark. They go, we find Aya Stark. They lie, but you don't need to get into that. 
Yeah, but basically, it's not actually her in the books. It's her in the show, though. No, go on. Sure. No, no, you go. You go, though. I was going to say, my problem with Sansa Stark is she should be thrown into the sun and the sun should be thrown further into space. I fucking hate Sansa Stark. <laughs> no, I what? hate her so much. No, because she starts off as an irritating brat who's there with yeah. like Joffrey, but then she grows. And that's what Game of Thrones is so great about. Every character goes through such an arc, apart from Jamie, who goes through an arc and then it just dissolves on itself. <laughs> like she, she has a really good character development. She becomes a badass. She goes from the whiny bitch who just wants to get married and be a housewife to suddenly she's the queen of Winterfell because she knows how to run I mean, it. She's the one asking Littlefinger about grain supplies. I think you're right. Actually, you taught me around because thinking about it, she no because she does go from Joffrey to Ramsay. I mean, let's be honest, that's hard going, isn't it? She does, but what I wanted to see, and what she doesn't do, she never manipulates Ramsay onto her side, which would have been cool. Like, see, you know how Marjorie Tyrell uh, changed Joffrey, like she got involved with the killing. Sansa never seems to learn that lesson, but somehow wins. Mm. But Marjorie doesn't. It's Elena. There's literally a scene. Do you know the whole who killed Joffrey thing as I well? Can't come at me. The whole who killed Joffrey thing. I completely forgot all about that. And then when the reveal happens, I was like, oh yeah, someone did kill that little shit. <laughs> like, it's not like who shot Phil Mitchell. You know what I mean? Like I, it wasn't some big mystery in my head. I was like, oh yeah, someone must have killed him. Who Mate. killed Mr. Burns? Yeah, <laughs> that was Maggie. And yours wasn't Mark. It was it was Lisa because Mark was. I think Mark had did he have eight and he couldn't bang her, but he was in love with Lisa and Lisa was married to. Phil Mitchell. It was Lisa. You don't need to tell me, James. I remember who oh, shot Phil remember. Mitchell. Who shot JR? Me. Gary Oldman. <laughs> well, I, do, I actually don't know what I said, but <laughs> it was Gary Oldman. <laughs> well, he, he did play figure, didn't he, in uh, JFK? I don't know. JR, not, sorry, not JFK. JR was D- Dallas. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't think that was a stretch. <laughs> um, wait, if you'd answered me, I would have walked out. But, um, yours? Yeah, Ari. Yeah, I'm going Ari. So then we're going to move on to our next question, which is your favourite non-Stark. Oh, we were all going to have the same on this one. Well, I don't know. My problem is, I, you know, I'm grant, I'm, I'm grant, gravitating, sorry, to Tyrion because he is the best character. He becomes the main character as well because what I found really funny is he's the one that picked up the mantle as the the main cast member. Everything you go through, and I never get bored of his story. I mean, I he's actually, stuck in a prison cell for ages with three walls. At the end of the show, and though, it's no, still said, good. Who? Tyrion. The three walls. No, he gets stuck in a prison cell with three walls on the Eyrie. And he just has he manages to have amazing banter with the guy jailing him. Oh, okay. He has these great chats and it's he's clever throughout. He's always mm. playing the long game. He he's also the one by the end when you realise anyone can die at any minute, which was another like selling point in Game of Thrones. He's he has to be the one that everyone was like, but not him, surely. Like, yeah. that was the one no one wanted to go. You know, like, we'll Jon Snow, give or take. Yeah. I'm Peter Dinklage, I think, is the top one. I think he would, but if I was going for something different, now, now bear with me. I quite mm. liked what Stephen Delane did with Stannis Baratheon. And what mm. I mean by that is, is Stannis is, comes across as like he doesn't want to be king. Mm. He's because the Lady of Light has come into his life and convinced him, he's like, you need to do so. He's, it's out like a duty of survival that he becomes it. But I really like him because everything I liked about the series can be summed up by what he does. You know, he goes, he travels the world to get money to fund his army. You know, he he's supposed to be like the favourite. You know, if it was WrestleMania, he was like, he's going to win the title. You know, he gets, he's surprised at the minute. So he's about to be king and he gets taken away from him last minute. And then he shows up at the wall. But if you actually look at it, um, uh, the idea that calling people a king gives him power and his job is to get Melisandre to the wall so she can meet Jon Snow. And then after that, he loses his power. Um, so when he kills 
Serene, his daughter, Shireen, sorry. Um, like, the reason that doesn't work is because no one calls him a king anymore. His army has been bought for. He's lost the power that he had once before when he created Shadow Baby Stannis. And that never comes back. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, that's, that's a thing that happened. Um, but I quite like Stannis Baratheon, and I like the fact that he kind of likes his daughter, but at the same time locks her up. <laughs> Just I, So I'm not saying I like him, but I like what he brings to the story, which is he's a tool. Like Literally I, both. I thought both. he was going to come back as well because you didn't see him die. Yeah, you've always said that, haven't you? I, I all the way through it thought he was going to come back because he was a big name. He was in the, the, the tunnel, the other TV series that I loved him in, and it was huge. And I was like, Game of Thrones never shied away from showing you someone die. Mm. And he was just leant against the tree. And kind of Brienne goes near him. Yeah, and she yeah. brings the sword up. And it's and it, I was like, he didn't die. He's going to come back. He fucking never did. Yeah. So, But I, I like, I I think Steve uh, Stephen Delaney did such a phenomenal job as Stannis. I think he was one he of the best He also had to die to give us Davos. Yeah. Mm. He, he had to free Davos to us. Yeah, so I... So, I, I agree with Aaron because I don't think you can get any better than Tyrion, but I'm going to put in a little asterisk there for Stannis because I, I thought he did a phenomenal job. Utter prick though, you know. See, the reason I love Stannis is because he goes back to sort of the political elements of it all. So by the end of it, it's a lot more fantasy. At the beginning, it's hard-hitting historical drama, really, mm. with a bit of magic and a bit of... No one believes there's anything beyond the wall. They believe it's ice. They don't believe in the Night King. It's just a story. Mm. So at this point, it's very, very hard-hitting... You know, it's all about what, who's saying who to what, who's whispering in whose ear. And he's sort of, he's a very religious, zealous man who feels that there's a right way to do things. And that's the way. And I just think it's really interesting how that interacts with people who, like Cersei, she doesn't care about politics or theories. She's there for the power. And that's another dynamic that he brings in because mm. nobody else is particularly religious in the same, with the same sort of... Zealousness. Yeah. yeah no, I get that. That's that's cool. I would have always, I think one of the biggest mistakes is you don't ever see the High Sparrow having a political argument with Stannis because I would have loved that. Mm. Oh, that would have been joyous. <laughs> that would have been something that I could have get involved in, but it would have made no sense. <laughs> Do you know, you're, you're, you're saying that, you're like, oh, I really wish the Sparrow was talking to... I'm like, there's a lack of wizards in Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> like, if there's one thing I think is missing, it's a, can you imagine if you had a wizard? Yeah. Like... Fucking bring, bring on your dragon, mate, because I've got a wizard. <laughs> That'd be mate, epic, wouldn't it? It would only be epic if they were like a today wizard, like they do tricks with iPhones. They're like, oh shit, a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> like, slow down, Drogon. Or if he was like a proper drunk <laughs> and he's like, he's like a court jester. So and like he, Tyrion and, in series yeah. one, he's just pissed the And they're just time. like, sober my wizard. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need him. And he's like in some gutter or some whorehouse and they're trying to find their wizard. Hmm. I yeah, can rewrite like, Game of Thrones like way better. Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> like of wizards, mate. Uh, yeah, Peter Dinklage is mine. So they're our favourites. No, yeah, so that's yeah. pretty much like... Do you know what? No. No, 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 no. Dissenting no. opinion. No. All right. Marjorie. I like that. I, I, I'll yield for that. Because she had a plan. She turned things around. Yeah. She had a plan. She was going places. We'll never know. We'll say she, she's going to one place, the moon, because she got the <laughs> shit blown out of her. <laughs> but she is the one who knew. If you watch that scene back, she's literally saying, "Come on, let's go. This isn't right. Why That's, is Cersei missing this?" I do remember that was one of the biggest shocks. Yeah, that's up there with one of the biggest shocks because because you were like, "What is happening?" Because it's in her prime. She That's, was gaining um, power. She was getting momentum. Dorma, isn't it? Natalie yeah, Dorma. Natalie Dorma. But, the, but if, so I was rewatching that. The, my biggest problem with that is so you get the. Cersei's cleaning house. She's decided to get rid of the High Sparrow. She's decided to get rid of the Tyrells. She's going to take control of her son, the king. The High Sparrow herself. was Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price, who was phenomenal. Mm. In, in the books, I hate that storyline. Mm. But I, Jonathan Price brought a, a gravitas. I, I thought he was phenomenal in the role. It actually made me 
like something which I didn't care about in the box. If I ever met Jonathan Price and he isn't walking around in a potato sack, I'd be gutted because <laughs> he suits it. What That's do you, hard to pull off. I reckon, it is. I reckon he got the, I reckon he got the role as the Too Pope. Pope. <laughs> <laughs> From this. He was like, well, he's good with religion. Yeah, yeah. Instead of a sack, <laughs> you give him a crown. Um, Bit of cloth this time. Yeah, it'll be fine. Um, but Use I, the burlap. But I really like that they, they the whole story is like, but if you watch it, so Pycelle gets stabbed by mm. a child. But a child runs past Lancel Lannister and Lancel Lannister just goes, do you know what? I'm going to follow that kid. <laughs> just, but I think that sums him up because he's a bit of a drip, let's be honest. I just really love that. Is everyone else, everyone else is like, we've got, they march into the keep and they're going to drag the queen. And then Lancel's like, I don't want to do that. Oh, look, I will investigate this child. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out wrong because the child also stabs him and then he takes, I don't know, about seven minutes to, to go crawl to a candle. And at no point does he ever try to extinguish the candle. He just goes, oh no, wildfire. Boom. That episode is pretty banging though, isn't it? it I think it's one of my favourites because it's just, you don't expect it. You know Cersei's yeah. planning something, but you can't, by this point, you're not really Cersei's, in Cersei's head. Yeah, she's been embarrassed. She's been stripped of power. And you know, she's spiteful. She's she just, can do whatever yeah, about. She's, she's lost it. She's been, she's been put in ceremonial kind of like armour garb, you know, like, like don't fuck with me armour. And... The first like ten minutes are just instrumental music, oh, powerful instrumental music oh, as well. The best music, it's really good, and mm. it, that pays off. I believe that episode is also coupled with a big Jon Snow episode. It, was, it comes straight after Battle of the Bastards, I think. Mm. Yes, it does. And that's a very good too. Going from that into this was brilliant. You don't take a breath between those two episodes. Mm. It was a shame. I thought Natalie Dormer was phenomenal as Marjorie Tyrell. It was the right choice though, because ultimately, Cersei Lannister is the villain and needs to be. It needs to be where she is, and you've got to sacrifice Marjorie Tyrell. But I've, I think Natalie Dormer did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Agreed, Esther. However, it's definitely Tyrion. No. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite uh, secondary character. Then this is the hardest one. This is the hardest one because There's this just has so got many. This has got such a, a such such a huge cast I'm, as well. I'm just going to lead by giving a few. Just whet the appetite with a few that have written down. Yeah. That, that have come to mind. So, Ian Glenn is Jorah. It's Lady Friendzone. Lady friends, men say so. Friends, do you know what he does so well? He, you know what? he does such a good job. But at the same point, he's so pathetic. It's like it's like he's simping art. <laughs> I want to reach the in there. The definition of the friend zone. I want to reach in there and just go. You, just, just, it's not allowing to you, mate. Just, just, so, just take a few years off. Work on you know you. And there is that bit where he's banished. Still and then, won't then, care. He, then he comes back and he's like, I'm sorry. It's like, oh, I forgive you. And that's his role for like one series where he just keeps coming back. He's like, No, I sent you away. And the next time he comes, he's got grey skills. So he's like, Could you fuck off? Mm. <laughs> Could you just leave? That looks contagious, mate. <laughs> Get out of here. Then he shows up after being cured she immediately sends him off of the wall with Josh she's like could you I, I, could you get this into your head will you fuck off <laughs> I'm sending you literally to your death yeah <laughs> please do not come back the fucker comes back <laughs> <laughs> oh he's, he's a kind of he's like oh what a couple we are yeah couple of friends <laughs> like, <laughs> it, I, I love Joy like Joy is the kind of guy that in a, or, or Ian Glenn is the kind of guy that if there was like a Comic Con sign in and there's the big queue for Amelia Clark I'm all about me and Ian Glenn like I'd love him. He, he's awesome. I mean, Liam Cunningham as uh, Davos Seaward. Oh. Do you know what? He's genuine. Like you see him and he's asking Shireen to teach him to, to read. read. Some of them episodes are brilliant, oh. aren't they? He, I think he, he's weirdly one of the characters that gets stronger the later the series go on because he's brilliant. Like when he finds Shireen's dead and he goes, and Liam Cunningham does a phenomenal job when he's like literally screaming at uh, the, the Scarlet Woman mm. in front of John. He's like, you killed her. You killed her. And then she like turns on him and he's like, 
her father killed her as well. And like, he looks heartbroken and crestfallen. And I'm just like, Liam Cunningham, you, you, you are fucking, fucking fireworks right I now, mate. I can never remember her name. Uh, I always get confused with the- Melisandre. Melisandre. No, isn't she the- Melisandre no. and Melisandre. No, no same person. Is, is the, Do you not is think Melisandre? That's, Missandai is that'd be different. funny you just said the same I one of them yeah <laughs> the, the, that's why I said the Scarlet Woman yeah <laughs> so I didn't have to I, say it now because I think she's like married fat boy slim or something like, I, I always like, I really should remember what that lady's name is her name is like Clarice Van Outen is the actress name yes. or something like what that what about Clarice Van Outen Jerome Flynn aka not Robson of Robson and Jerome we can never forget that. <laughs> I think it's really weird that he's in this because I remember Rob Sinatra. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so, I do. So when I watch it, I just think, go sing a song, you fucking muck. And I remember all the like, the you know, the heartbeat and stuff that yeah. he was in. And to, in this, he plays Bron. And I'll tell you what, if there's an award for swearing, he probably gets it. He, he's, he, do you know what, Bron is a phenomenal character. Obviously, famously wouldn't share a screen with Lena Headley because they used to date. And they both, I just think that's genius because they... they they maneuver. They were both like, "I'm never sharing a screen with that fucker ever," and they don't. But that, but in the last series, there's when they in the second, the last series, the last episode, he has to get off the screen before she arrives. He's just like, "Go for a beer," <laughs> <laughs> and he does. He just leaves. She walks in and I'm like, "I'm on five hundred grand an episode, <laughs> bitch." And how many like scenes is she in in the final series on that money? Man, yeah. she's done well. Uh, Roy McCann is the hound. I think probably up there. I mean, he's not mine, but he's definitely... And he, I think if you talk about characters, he's the biggest change of character. Yeah, he's got an art, whereas Jerome, I like Jerome because he does who plays Bron. He's the same at the end as uh, he is. You yeah. know, he's all about the money. He's all about what he's being paid. You know, there's that episode in there where he's like, oh, I'm going to make you a knight. He's like, good, knights get paid more. You know, <laughs> yeah. like he, he doesn't change whatsoever. And there is a bromance. There's a, you know... Oh, God, of, yeah. And it's about those periods. Him and... In, him and um, Tyrion are as entertaining as, you know, Jamie and Brienne and all these, Brienne of yeah, Tarth, yeah, like uh, uh, you know, all these li little peerings that you get. Um, talking of which, Gwendolyn Christie, I think is a showstopper. Powerhouse. I, 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 right, so when you read the books, Brienne of Tarth is supposed to be like this hideous thing. And I think Gwendolyn Christie is one of the most beautiful women of all time. I, I was just like, she's hot. And I know you shouldn't describe that, but she's also, what I mean is the character is like, she's so miscast, but she's so phenomenal. I, you know what, Brienne of mm. Tarth, Brianna Tarth is like the most competent warrior as well. Mm. She doesn't lose any of her fights. I mean, she teaches Arya how to kill the Night King. Yeah. She, she, I love that. I, I want a knight that's going to brutalise like a nine-year-old girl. That's what I look for. <laughs> I also like her covered in chrome silver and carrying a blaster. That's right. Captain Phasma. Yeah, she was. Um, Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, uh, Tormund? Christopher, oh. hid, mate, my hid, number hid one. you? Hid you? Hid you? My number one. I, he is the character for me. I'm devastated that there's no romance between him and Rihanna Tarth. Like he says, their children would rule the fucking world. Mm. And I just think he's so fun. When you first meet him, and he's he's basically henchman to uh, Mance Raider, it's his job to kind of be there. Mm. And then it's his job to be a leader. Then it's his job to be friend. As soon as as soon as he comes south of the wall, he's easily my favourite character. Yeah. He's so funny. He's better as a fish out of water character, isn't he? He's so funny. And the fact he doesn't get things, like when they have to explain to him, he, he asks, just before the Battle of the Bastards, he says, um, I'm, I'm worried about his horses. And they go, we're going we're gonna to hit them with a pincer movement. And he just stares. And he doesn't say anything for 30 seconds. And he goes, we're going to dig trenches so they don't get, we don't get hit in the side. He's like, good. <laughs> <laughs> Later in the fight as well, when everyone gets crushed and he can't, 
can't kill the person in front of him because he can't move his hand. And he just like, he just like bites him. He's yeah. fucking, he's brutal as fuck. Tormund Giants, by the way, is easily my favourite. Last series, him having a drink with Jamie Lannister whilst they're both trying to like bed Brianna Tarth. Fucking, she made the wrong decision, mate. And Tormund to me, MVP, best character. I Do love, you know what? It's I the looks. Him. He can say so much with one look. I'm just, I'm, he did a lot for beards in like did, 2017. And gingers. Didn't he? Yeah. he was so fun as well to be on set. He did the he, he and Rory McCann used to, used to do like loads of great stuff together, um, like record like music videos. Mm. They've just taken the piss. Great guy to be around. He's uh, casting Witcher season two, and I can't wait for it. He does oh. play a talking hog though. <laughs> so, but that said, that's Marcus, a hard sell. Shut it, woman. Does the hog have a beard? If yes. not, Netflix, you have one month to beard that hog. <laughs> um, my favourite character. I'm going to put him in there as well. Richard Dormer, who plays Beric, who I think is such a good actor. Yeah, I was going to say, I, know, I thought you'd Everything know. that guy is in, I think he's brilliant. So um, he's only in 12, 13 episodes. He's the guy with the eye patch and the flaming sword. Yep. Like he pops up a couple of times and then he's kind of instrumental as the band of brothers in that season seven. And then obviously- He knows his purpose. Yeah, he passes in the uh, the Longest Night episode as well, um, saving Aria of that holding the door, kind of like Hoda. Yeah. Um, but oh, that guy is wicked. Like everything I've seen him in, like Fortitude, he fucking rocks. He's like, he's from Northern Ireland, but you'd think he's like Norwegian. I like, did not fucking know. I didn't know he was Northern Irish. I assumed he was Norwegian. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's such a good actor. He's in a TV series at the minute called Cobra that I keep meaning to, I keep hovering on from wanting to watch it. But It's got a lot of great people in it, mm. but at the same time, it's called Cobra. Now I know it's based on the the UK military assessment team, but at the same time, I really don't want to watch it. I kind of do, because he's in it. He, he you, know, you know, last week when you said about... Cone Brothers put you in a cinema. He yeah. will, he, I mean, he hasn't yet with Cobra, but he will. <laughs> <laughs> like, he is a name it's that a waiting I waiting Yeah. So I was really, and I was watching Fortitude at the time I was watching that, and I was like, it's that fucking dude again. Like, yeah. I, I think he, what is his great strength is, and, and maybe it says more about Rory McCann, is like, he always bleeds on about, he's quite as, not a zealous character, but he's very spiritual. He says, he's always about the Lord of Light, and he comes and sits down before he says it in, uh, the house, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you've always got the hound and chickens. Yes, two chickens. It's actually a good impression. I'm actually quite proud of myself. I know it will sound awful. Do you know what? I'm proud of you. Thank you. You're secondary welcome. character then. I haven't obviously talked about Littlefinger. I haven't talked about no end of it. So who's your favourite secondary character? Tormund. Tormund. Tormund or Littlefinger? Because I think Littlefinger... Oh, I fucking hate Littlefinger. That's why he's my favourite, but... He's on my shit list in a minute. Oh, Ooh. actually, no. Actually, no, I just realised. No, I'm, I'm going Tormund. And you didn't mention him. Hodor, but for a very special reason, which I'll talk about later. But, mate, Tormund, if Tormund's not in them series, mate, I'm not in there. Mm. Or, and I quite like, and you can tell where my allegiance is like, I'm going to say her name wrong and then Esther's going to correct me. I loved Ingrid. Her name is not Ingrid, it's Egret. Who's Egret? Uh, John Snow's uh, wildling lover. Oh, I was about to say, you know nothing, John Snow. You know nothing, yeah, Snow. and again, yeah. their scenes together in that series are... Even though there's a great storyline going on, it's them two. And it's that's emotional the, that's, intensity. Yeah, that's the good, as I keep going back to with Game of Thrones, is don't matter if some, you know, Karen's riding on a dragon on her way to fucking destroy <laughs> a city. You want to see the, the you want to see that human kind of connection between characters. And yeah, I re, I think they, that their episodes are really good. Yes. She was taken out too early. I think she had a lot to give in that TV series. I really like, um, and I'm going to say as well, I, I really like um, Alistair Thorne, Alistair Thorne. Because his storyline is so much more detailed in the book, you understand why he's such a dick to Jon Snow. But he's like the guy who can never be commanded. But I quite like the respect there. I know up until a certain point, he then kills Jon Snow. But even when he loses it, I really like that dynamic. 
There's a yeah. lot of different things going on. And that's what I love about it. There's so many different relationships, so many different power dynamics. And you've got people being like, oh, you're from that house and now on the wall, that shouldn't matter. But you're still, that's mm-hmm. your allegiance. That's who you are. So you can mention all these characters that are still torment. So you're secondary? Esther. Do you know what? I, I know he's not a secondary character, but I'm going to go Tywin because shit oh, no. hits the fan when he, as soon as he sets out the picture, Westeros is fucked. Mm. The amount of things he orchestrates and leads, like. No, I think that's very good. Tywin and Charles Dance is quite possibly one of the best actors in this film. And if you want to see how much of a badass he is, he learned how to gut and skin a deer. For his first, for his opening scene, yeah. Yeah, in order to make the impression, he was like, fuck it, I'm going to learn how to do it. And he did it. I love, the, I love the fact everyone has to, you know, act and he just comes in and skins a deer. It's like, so I think Charles Dansley was the only person that they, that didn't have to audition because they were like, Charles Dansley has to be Tywin Lannister. Well, he should be. Mm. It would be rude if they made him audition, to be fair. Because he's fucking phenomenal. I don't know who my favourite secondary is. I think there's too many. I've, maybe... We've not even said Elena yet. Yeah, well, that's the problem. There's so many secondary characters. And then there's going to be someone arguing that that person should be a main character. And, and also, because of my memory, I'm thinking more series like six, seven, eight, yeah. less the first three, where there's probably some characters that I'm completely forgetting. You know, like I'm forgetting about uh, Sean Bean's uh, better half. Um, Kathleen Stark. Yeah. Kathleen Stark, though, is the biggest mistake from the books mm. i'm in glad the, you've said that in the books she she comes back to life because mira's uh lady stoneheart lady she comes as lady stoneheart because she comes across the brotherhood and the brotherhood used the thomas of mir i terrible she brings him back to life she comes back as this kind of like she can't speak because she's been cut to the bone that she can no longer speak so she kind of like roars i was thinking that she was going to show up in the long night that would be wicked. I didn't know it. I haven't read the book, so fuck so it. So she comes back to give vengeance on all of her children's killers. Yeah, so and she's... She, oh, oh, why the hell was that not in the TV exactly. series? I think it's because they couldn't... I think it's because they were scared that it, that would be too much, mm. like bringing her back to... Because of the emotional turmoil of her death. But I always thought it was really weird because you linger on her when she dies. Like, she stood there for like 10 seconds before someone comes and like sliced her throat. So I was like, maybe there's a reason for that. And that's why I maintained up until like the final series. I was like, can't understand why I come back because you won't see it coming. But mm. they didn't. But no, um, Callan Stark as well. So it's, so, I think the best mom. I think it's, it's missing that then and, and wizards, definitely. Definitely, definitely wizards. wizards. But I think that's really interesting because you've got Cersei who does everything for her children. And then you've got Catelyn Stark who also does everything for her children. Including and die the, and come back. Yeah, but the way they go about it, I find it's really fascinating the way it's written. Yeah, I think Cersei loves her family too much. A little bit. Well, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Said, said Tywin. <laughs> uh, oh, God. I, I, I can't, I'm probably going to go Bronn then as my favourite. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about it, Bronn is the comic relief you need. When, when, giant, the, when Thorvan's not around. When there's so much like just grim scenery. And he gets killed in the books and they just keep him on in the show. So do you know what? He's managed to do the impossible. Oh, good on him. Well done. Well done. Don't ever go back to Robson and Jerome. No. I don't think he can. Those days are over. He's in the stratosphere now, mate. And Robson, <laughs> Robson's fishing. I was gonna, when you said Robson's in drive, now it's now it's Robson and the other one. And then I realised no Robson's the name I remembered. <laughs> okay, so now we're looking at the shit list. Who are, who are the characters you could not stand? I'm gonna go first because I think these are on your good lists. Um I think these are everyone's least favourite characters as well for what they do in it. So in no particular order, Jack Gleason is Joffrey. Uh, oh Aiden mm. Gillian is Littlefinger. One sec. What was the first one you just said? Joffrey. Joffrey. How is he? Are we doing vi- like villain as in 
Yeah, villain. Yeah. Or shitlist is in. No, your shitlist is in the best villain. Oh, okay, that's fine then. I'll accept that. I don't think there's actually, now that you, just quickly before you said that, I don't think that anyone actually, and this is very weird, gives weak performances as actors. And oh, no, I think no. Everyone brings like an A game. Yeah, yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these, are, these are the characters I could not stand because of the, how well they were played. Right, yeah. fair play, fair play. Yeah, yeah. I've got nothing against the actors that portray this. I was about to say, Joffrey. Except for like Kitty, fucking 80s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll say the characters then rather than the actors. So Joffrey, Littlefinger. Ramsey, obviously. Um, what I love about that is the family's got two fuckers. <laughs> it's got the bastard. <laughs> what's, and... what's that dude's name? Is it, that is it. Euron Greyjoy. Yeah, yeah, Euron Greyjoy. Yeah. And then uh, obviously Walder Frey as the top. Love Walder Frey. David Bradley. David Bradley to me is. I don't know. I only remember him being this age. If you told me to name a film where he doesn't look this old or this TV series, I couldn't tell you. I just he, love how sinister and eerie he, he is. He is, and he doesn't have to do anything, right? So he came back and played the original Doctor Who in a, like a spin-off with, um, uh, not a spin-off, in a Christmas special with God, who was Peter it? Peter Capaldi. Mm. And he played the Doctor like as this nice person, but I still thought he was going to shank him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't trust him, it's all the fray. Or... Or a squib. When he's in, yeah. <laughs> when he's in afterlife in the retirement home, I still think he's up to fucking something. Broadchurch gonna... didn't help. Yeah, Broadchurch didn't, to be fair. Yeah. Actually, Broadchurch did one time. I was like, I was on his side. I was like, I can't on this squib side. I just, yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm just saying, yeah, mate. And I, I, do you know what? I think he's one of the best written characters. And I do agree with us to that. His death is not correct. Lord Peter Baelish, little finger. He is instrumental. If he's, he sets off the Game of Thrones, and people forget this because by when you find out that he's responsible, it's like four seasons late and you've actually forgotten that John Aaron died and caused this because you're like, what the hell? He starts the Game of Thrones. He starts the he starts the war. He wants to pit Stark versus Lannister. And when you find out the reason is because he wants to get his end away. And mm. then and then during that time, he thought, I could get some land from this. What I love about the character is you never know where he's going. He's ambitious to the point where he'll try anything. Chaos th- is a ladder. Chaos is a ladder. She's a good egg, isn't she? She knows all this. She'll... I believe it's yours. No? What? Is Lord Peter Baelish your pick for best villain? No. Oh, then I carry on because I was going to say you'll say it better than I will. Just love, I think, in Gillen as well, is one of the best, is a phenomenal actor that we don't celebrate enough. He's in loads of things. It's always brilliant. I I thought he was fantastic. Uh, Littlefinger, to me, holds, he's the reason why one of the characters is, heel turn at the end of the series doesn't work and I'll get into that later but he was phenomenal his character is phenomenal you never know what he's planning and that's what makes him so dangerous Avari says it himself he says in this world of different kings there's five different kings you know there's wars there's Daenerys Targaryen first of her name bringer of coffee cups (laughs) and um, he says the most dangerous person in this entire kingdom is Littlefinger a man who had nothing and in a few years has got everything Littlefinger until the final series when he just you know, short, short woman. Right. What does he do in the final series? So well, he's he this mastermind. Because he's dead by the final series. So he rots. There you go. Well, do you know what? Fair play to him. <laughs> no embalming for him. <laughs> what you got? So it's got to be Ramsay because he's terrifying. Nothing is off limits. He's fallen in love with this girl. He, she dies. He doesn't care. Yeah. Nothing is off the table. He is, he's not as well crafted as Littlefinger in the sense that, Little thing, he's the unsuspecting villain, or no, not the, but he's the manipulative villain. Ramsay is just a cold blooded prick. But the thing is, he will stop at nothing. So, Littlefinger, he'll do stuff, but he'll stop for Sansa. He's in love with Catelyn. Catelyn pars him off. So, do you believe that Littlefinger actually would? Because I always thought that was just part of the game. 
No, I think that's where his his weakness lies. That's why. So ultimately, in the final season, he gets outwitted by Sansa and Arya. Now that shouldn't have happened. He's too intelligent for that. But I think the reason why he lets guard down is because he's always had a soft spot for Catelyn, and Catelyn's most similar child is Sansa. I think he lets his guard down because there's terrible Ryan. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just her- like, how do you get hurts. rid of him? I don't know. Going to Ramsay Bolton, though, or Ramsay Snow. Depends which series you're looking at. Ooh. Great physical threat. Great psychopath. But also, you've got to remember that his whole reason of writing and being is to be in a polar opposite to Jon Snow. They're both bastards. They're both of the North. One of them's honourable. One of them's a proper dickhead. Or just dishonourable. Yeah. That'll do. No, or dickhead. Yeah. Um, so, great shout. I really like that. Ramsay Bolton is a perfect psychopath on the same... But you're right though, he can't he has no plans or aspirations. Once he's been acknowledged by his father or, you know, not, that's his goal. His goal is to have recognition. He doesn't want to rule the seven kingdoms. He's mm. not a evil villain in the la- in the large keeper thing. He's not like Joffrey. Joffrey, you know, uses a what's it called? Uh Cat- crossbow. Crossbow to um to just to kill a probably. Mm. But you know, He's got the power and he can terrorise literally everybody at the snap of the fingers. I do like as well. It's like, it's you know, you know, like when you see pirates and they've got the skull and crossbones, it's like they're clearly the villains. Like, like this, they've literally got men with no skin. He's got flayed people <laughs> on the flag. It's like, you'd never, it's, not, it's not the homeliest place, is it? You'd never, you'd never, you'd never confuse them with the good guys. You're yeah, like, yeah. like, who was that coming? It's a flayed bed. <laughs> well, fucking close the door. It's, it's, like, a, yeah. it's like that. Isn't that Mitchell the Web sketch where they, where they're Nazis? And they're just, yeah. Wait, wait a minute. Are we the bad guys? Yeah. <laughs> like, like. Do you know what though? Quickly, before Aaron gives us his, you've just reminded me of something. Maybe it should be Joffrey because I've never wanted to punch a kid so much in my entire great life. Great acting though. That's the yeah. thing. He's a, he's a victim of great acting. It's, it's like it's the it's the uh, Trevor and Little Mo scenario. Like <laughs> it's too that, good. That, yeah, it's taken him twenty years to get back on the screen, and now he's in the Batman. But um, and then you got sold off. When you recognised him as Trevor and other things, yeah, but you know what? This is why I got angry when you were saying the shit list because I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! He's we hate him such intensity. He can't be anything but incredible. He doesn't doesn't care though, does he? There's a rumor going around that he stopped acting because of uh, Game of Thrones, and it it turns out he just doesn't like it. Yeah, yeah, I read both of it. Does a lot of charity work. I, I think he wanted a normal life and he goes to unit after. Mm. (laughs) He probably just wanted people to stop pelting eggs at him. (laughs) (laughs) So I think uh, I put. Someone villain, uh, the writers. Right, cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Only of the last season. <laughs> just, Rage. Just going to put this out there that Euron Greyjoy was a pretty good villain as well because I just couldn't stand that guy. My but problem that's is, the best thing. Like, but he wasn't. They wasn't invested in. He my was problem, rushed in the ending. So everyone's got to really hate. Uh, everyone hates something to do with it. I hate the books. Every time you go to the Salt Islands, every time you go to the Salt Throne, every time you go to the Iron Islands. I couldn't give a toss about the Greyjoys. I do not like them. I, don't, I think all the characters are shit. And, and they come in too late. They yeah. come into the storyline way too late. You're like, I don't they, bring another family in now. But that's why he's never going to finish the books because he's invested too much. His world building is his world building is way too big. Mm. So, but I do think that he's pretty good because the one place I hate more than the Iron Islands was Dawn. And he comes in and in one episode he gets rid of that and you're like, thank you. <laughs> just, he's a new manager that comes in and is like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore, bye-bye. I, just, I really like the fact he comes and kills him all. So he's like, so do I have to give a shit about Dawn now? And I go, no. I go, great. <laughs> See you later. I, f- I think the the biggest shit in it has to be David Bradley as um, Walder Frey in, because, of, because of the wedding scene. Like you can't, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that there's, that's any worse or any better than any other vicious scene in the series, but that... It's that's particularly bastardy. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm probably going to go. He is the he he. Let's put it this way. He was the one that when he got it, when he got it stuck to him by 
Arya, I was like, fuck it, don't last. He's out of it. Because I couldn't what? stand that guy. That scene breaks my heart where Arya uh, serves the pie and it's like, you're welcome, man. Um, because I was so excited about that series and it the series drops off after that scene. Mm. That scene sets it up to be so incredible. And then... Despite the fact a load of good stuff happens that season, but whatever, Esther. No, because it's rushed. It's not we're, paced. We're getting there, mate. We're getting to the icon. It was nice knowing you, man. It's worth saying as well that Game of Thrones is littered with cameos. So uh, Ed Skrine, originally playing Dario, left for, to play uh, Deadpool, wasn't he? He was in the Deadpool movie. Mm. So they recast uh, Dario. I must uh, say Richie Grant, Max von Sydow's in it, James Cosmos that we already talked about, Tom Hooper we talked about, Mark Gattis is in it. Yeah, really. I yes. like that whole storyline as well about the the crown. Like the, 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 yeah, the Wasn't bank. Wasn't that brilliant? I like that. And I also like the storyline about Sam going away to be... Maester. Yeah, Maester. And all that yeah. stuff where you go from action battle scenes to like, I must read this book. The problem is though, <laughs> and this and you carry on, sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, Jim Broadbent, uh, Ralph Innes is in it, you know, because of his voice. Kieran Hines is in it. It's Kieran, Kieran, Kieran. I don't know, Kieran. He's, 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 it's an Irish name. I never know if it's Kieran or Kieran. Kieran. It, Gets burnt, but then Jon Snow puts him out of his misery by Baron Arrow, the man. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's Kieran. Kieran. Yeah, no, it is. It, I, just because it's the Irish spelling. I don't know if... But then again, I've probably butchered about 50 names already. Pedro yeah. Pascal. Uh, oh, he's Before class. the Mandalorian, uh, you know. Before he became literally the golden boy of everything. Yeah. It's like, we're going to write a TV series about a 19th century mug. Mm, the guy who played him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jonathan Price was talked about. And of course, Ed Sheeran. No. <laughs> I show. see this, a lot of people, a lot of people turned on this and they say this is a season because this is season seven, Ed Sheeran's in it. Ed Sheeran, I've watched it recently, doesn't really do anything in no. it. I just think he has people, a massive role. He breaks the illusion with such ferociousness. <sighs> well, I mean, Jim Broadbent and Richie Grant fucking breaks the illusion quite a bit. <laughs> but Ed Sheeran does not suit a Lannister uniform. And it's Ed Sheeran, mate. His face is everywhere. There is no way he's fitting I mean, in. I, I, I'm perfectly fine with that. If I know a lot of people, including Esther, really hate it. Do you know what? I'm okay with it. Because it's just... Do get over it? Right, so in a series where the pacing is so bad, in a series where so much happens in such a short space of time, we talked earlier about how journeys, Winterfell to King's Landing, that's a trek, that's a, you know, a series. What? Think about Stannis, he's on a boat for all the time. But then all of a sudden, they can fly between paces, but they decide, hang on a second, here's 10 minutes for Ed Sheeran to sing a song. But I think it's important because by this by this stage, we've only had something like six series of I killing everything and she's got no remorse. And then she finally meets Lannisters and she blames Lannisters for everything that's wrong that's happened to her family. And she realises, and they start talking about it. They say, they start mentioning it's like they don't want to fight. They want to go home. They're forced to fight because they happen to be born in a certain place. And that's why you need it because I needs to learn that these people aren't all necessarily evil. So why's it gone for so long? It said cheering. It was probably expensive to get there. <laughs> Apparently he's only there because Maze Williams asked for it. I'd like to point out it's not that long. The scene's not that long. You say 10 minutes. It's not a 10 minute scene. Half an hour. It's not. Okay. It's, it's two hours. They did a special, an Ed Sheeran special, where it's just Ed Sheeran playing every role in Ed Sheeran. He's great also, at Sansa. It's also got Ian McShane in this show as well. But and there's probably a whole load of other characters <laughs> that we haven't had time to talk about. Uh, best death then. Uh, to me, there's there is three, and I find it very hard, very hard to distinguish. I think quite possibly the one, the one that's not the shocking because I knew it was the coming. That now everyone will go to Red Wedding or something like that. I'm going to go John Snow's because I knew it was coming, but still kind of I thought he did a very good job. It's when the little boy is Ollie. 
Ole, oh. Know his name. Know his, that, know his name. Know his name. Prick, when he got hung the next episode, he deserved it. But I still think that was a pretty big one. I think the most emotional to me was... No, I'll go with the next one. The the best death was fucking the Martel getting his head crushed by the mountain. I still, I still haven't seen that. It's phenomenal. I know... I, I saw the YouTube reactions, and so when I watched that episode, I just fast—I I just closed my eyes and fast-forwarded and went next oh, scene. Oh, it's beautifully gross. It's devastating that one of my favourite characters was gone, and they weren't even in a season. But I really liked Oberyn Martell. And but his, it goes from such a high; he's going around gloating. He's won. He's won the battle. He's won the battle. But but instead and then he brags. of he, he wants he's trying to prove a point, and then instead of just like finishing him off or letting the poison take hold, he goes near him, so the man crushes his head, and it's it's. It's it's my favourite death. But the best emotional death and the one that will still haunt me to this day and will always hurt when I think about it. Hold the door, mate. When Hodor goes out. Ooh, and when hurts. you find out that his life existed to hold the door. That's why he was that's why he is, because fucking I still don't understand. There is everyone forgets that at one point it gets a bit I was gonna say saved by the valley, it gets a bit like the time machine where he goes back and affects Hodor, so he can mm. only remember one thing, which is hold the door. Like his whole his whole purpose is to hold the door, and you just think you die. But someone also dies, and someone doesn't get respect. That whole scene is fucking horrible, and I will always hold the door. That's <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite? What's the best death? Do you know there's a lot? I mean, there is a lot. You're right. There's five over five thousand to choose from. <laughs> so my five thousandth favorite. No, um, do you know what Cersei's death angers me? Why so not with, vicious enough? Well, I mean, she all this scheming and plotting, and she dies to some bricks. There should have been a just scene. Gonna, just going to put that there. Bricks kill. There should have been a scene earlier where, where some guy came up to her and went, "We need to reinforce." <laughs> the quantity the surveyor comes and, around, and then he just goes, "I'll do it later." That's how she should have died by irony. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the most noble deaths is uh, Theon, because you know what? No, Fuck he's, off. He's, <laughs> he starts as an absolute. Dick. He gets all this stuff into his head and at the end he redeems himself and what? that's when he dies. He dies redeeming what? his honour. I don't think you can describe him though as being a dick when <laughs> <laughs> what I love about his death is is the Night King comes and he got his whole posse. Everyone's dead except for Bran, who finally finally like loads back into his body and then Yeah, says, where does Bron Bron where does Bran go? He's probably fucking anywhere else. He's like, he's fucking he just cold. Goes into I'm, a crow, gonna, didn't I'm gonna pretend I'm someone on Essos for a while. Um and then he looks at the thing and goes, you're a good man. And then Theon looks at the Night King, gives him a nod. The, the Night King seems to give him a nod back, charges at him like it's going to be an honourable fight, just the Night King versus Theon Greyjoy. And the reason he's done that is because Theon Greyjoy runs at him. Night King, mate, sidesteps. Yeah. <laughs> Never see it coming. It's not a noble death. You're wrong. It is because of his character arc. Better than Hodor. I'd much prefer if Jamie Lannister died at Winterfell where he should have died. His plot armour in the last series, bloody hell. He's, he gets... So episode ends with Jamie Lannister going into the water, falling down. Next episode, it's not deep into the water. It's just the edge of a pond. So that was Esther's you know most hated near death. <laughs> yeah, quite frankly. What was it, woman? What was the best death? Okay. No, I can't. There's too many. Do you know what? It's hurt me to side him. So it's Hodor. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of... When we said we were going to do best death, I didn't know what we meant by that. I mean, yeah. Was it the most satisfying? Because in which case it's Ramsey, because I think yeah, the, de the, death, the, the death has to fit the character and he's That's a knob, true. so you want a horrible death, he gets it. Um, most emotional, I mean, the Red Wedding is horrible. They, yeah. like, it is, they, like, I was reading about it this week, the people went into like, 
actual therapy because yeah. of that scene. Yeah. Like, um, I forgot her name again. So he played um, Catelyn Stark in it. Um, oh yeah, no, I know him. Ended up um, Michelle, isn't it? Michelle Fairley went, in, Michelle went Fairley. into went into uh, solitude for a week after filming. Like she was that shook up from <gasps> from doing it. Like that whole thing is is horrible. It also has Una Chaplin in it, who I bet you didn't know is the great granddaughter of Charlie Chaplin. Yep. Did indeed. You fuck off your yeah, poker face. That. You didn't know that. Take that to the bank, mate. There's some facts for you on this episode. Most disappointing death is when um, the hound, Superman, Superman's his brother, off a building that's already collapsing. Just like, I hated that. That was like eight seasons of build-up and that was the biggest letdown. Because the mm. mountain by this stage is like a, a fucking annoying shit. I, I really hated that. So worst death. As in the worst it, death. It felt rushed, didn't it? It's like, well, you have to squeeze this death in. Yeah. You know, towards the end of the crap. series. Do you know what? This is going to sound really stupid, but the dragon's deaths. Yeah. What? These are really powerful dragons. In one episode, they're dodging all these bullets, all these, um, like, spears being thrown through the air. Mm. They can evade all of them. Then all of a sudden, one second, they're all down. <laughs> My favourite thing was going on the internet after the episode, which I call the A-team in, in the wild. And everyone's <laughs> biggest problem about this 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 TV series that involved dragons and fucking magic and shit was like, where did they get the trains from? I was like, that's your question. I was like, fuck The issue off. was the uh, zombie polar bear. The amount of money they spent on the zombie polar bear rather than, you know, could writing. get a fucking wizard, could you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Best ever, I think. Tywin. I, yeah. Iconic. I like that because it's anticlimactic. Like, yeah. the character of Tywin dies having a shit. That's pretty cool. It's, it's very John Travolta Pulp Fiction, isn't it? It is, yeah. Mm. You'd expect someone, do you know what, actually... I might change my mind because his death, you say he was actually just having a shit. Yeah. Just there is, cracking on. There is the, um, what's his name? I forgot his name again. Vars, Vars, um, Varys. Varys getting burnt by the dragon. Because yeah. have you seen the video oh, of him no. reading that scene? No. And the camera's on him and you can see he's like, fuck, I don't make it. And he's so mad. <laughs> like, and everyone around the table was like, because like when, when there's a table read where like when John, uh, Kit Harrington realizes that John, kills Daenerys. There's a scene, they're holding hands, they're both crying, it's very emotional. That scene, he's like, you can see just he's red ahead and he's like, for fuck's sake. And when they film it, he looks pissed off. Like, <laughs> I mean, he I've would been taken up by CGI dragon. Oh. <laughs> like, After everything he's gone through, his death is the most frustrating because it's, what are you doing, girl? There, there's a character I forgot about and I can't remember where their story ended. The bastard son of the Baratheon. Gendry. Yeah, yeah, where did he go? What, what he happened becomes, to him? He becomes Lord of Storm of Land. So he become, he takes over he, his own like part of the country. Because that was the silent storyline, wasn't it? Where you were thinking, yeah. is it going to be here more? But for some or... reason, not going to be the King of the Stone Islands. Okay. Just, I don't, I don't, I don't. He's, he's literally the heir. Illegitimate, but still an heir. Okay. Is he a contender for the throne at the end? No. No, no, no. Do you know what? We get it. You don't like the ending. What I love about it is that he disappears for like five seasons just rowing because the only memes you can get was of him. It's like, where is Gendry? Last just scene. Just keep rowing. Last scene, rowing. And then it was, then it was just memes of, keep, just keep rowing. Just keep rowing. <laughs> and then he sailed into this shit episode. So then we're going to go on to uh, the house quote. So Game of Thrones is full of these. Just going to wet the whistle a bit. Um, mm. The Lannister one. Hear me roar. Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> or it's the Lannister always pays his debts. No, that's, no. that's the common misconception. That's, that comes up in the first season, isn't it? It's hear me roar, and it's, it's a Lannister saying it's not the words of the house. Okay, well, what are the words of the house of House Frey then? Together we stand. We stand together, actually. James, I read the fucking books. <laughs> <laughs> house, house Tyrell, growing strong. Uh, family duty, honour. 
that's the Tully's. House Tully, yeah. Because Bran, when he's a cute child, has a go. Uh, it makes you like, my mum's terrible because she should be all about family tradition on her. Fire and Blood. House Targaryen. Come and join us. Uh, Donald Trump, 20, 2020. Yeah, that was actually Fun House with Pat Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for that joke. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Uh, there's loads though. You got family duty honor growing strong. Winter is coming. Un, what's it? Unbend uh, and bound and broken. Yeah, I, we I do I, not sew. Oh, That's a good one. Great joy. We do not sew. All right. <laughs> we don't, get it, bro. Don't, we, don't fucking sew then. <laughs> <laughs> we needle point. <laughs> we cross stitch. My we embroider. My favorite is ours is the fury because because it sounds threatening, but at the same time, like it just sounds grammatically wrong. <laughs> or now so wise. <laughs> we were dumb. We, we, we admit that, but we've learned. My yeah. granddad, thicko mate. Yeah. <laughs> here we stand. We were over there, but, but now we're here. Please, we can la- you mark it on the map? We like the way. I like that. That's uh, House Hightower. I like it. Um, you just get some really generic ones like, please, not there, but there. <laughs> <laughs> high is honour. That's uh, House Aaron. High as fuck. High is, uh, high is honour. Nice high as balloons. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's loads. But did you come up with your own house name? Mate, I got one that was really into it and I've been trying it for a while. Mm. It's like reforged in the womb of cold iron. I feel like if it's got womb in it, it's not that powerful. I think it's fine because it's about rebirth and wombs and irons and stuff. Or kiss my axe. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Because I would love that. It's like unbound and broken. Kiss my axe. <laughs> Those are mine. Do you know what? I think that's what we need more in the world. Yeah. We need more kiss my axe jokes. Yeah. What about you? What are your house words? So are we going serious or are we going ridiculous? Well, have, a only have, have a guess. I only have one. <laughs> go with that one. Um, so I'm going to go. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I've not got it. It's gone. It's gone. Had a good one. She, it's didn't, gone. she didn't do her homework for this episode. Mine's going to be House Aaron, bring cheese. <laughs> that's good. Like, you bring the honestly, cheese, I bring the wine. That's it. Or or no low-fat mayo. <laughs> I just think we're going to have that on banners just as we march. Don't bring low-fat mayo. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think mine would be something simple like, I'm not bothered. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it would be, it'd be like, I'm not playing. I'm not playing. That oh, would be mine. that's a good one. I'm not in the Game of Thrones. I don't want it. People die. All right. Peace out, bro. Yeah. Or you get one that's really complicated. It's like, mine is the forever glory. Just so everyone would be like, what? <laughs> like a double negative. <laughs> you'd be like, do you know what? Go don't treble. Be, don't, don't be pressing this at Stradupt. And you'd be like, hey, this <laughs> what? Mine would just be, don't press the red button. Oh, no. Cause people would press that red button. <laughs> exactly. But do we want them to? I don't know. What's the exactly. Oh, mate, she's next level. I don't know what she's on about. Mm. Standard. So then we were looking at standout scenes. We're going to probably end with some of our standout scenes across the series, unless there is any other questions, which we'll go to towards the end. But I've just written a load down, but we're, this is open conversation. I, some of these we've already talked about. Um, Ned getting the chop, obviously a standout moment. Standout moment that really defined the season. Like if they set if, the tone. If Sean Bean can die, any fucker can die. Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> we talked as well, head crushing. Yeah, I, I. You're not a big gory fan, are you? No. And I would say that that's probably the goriest death. You don't. I don't think it's over glorified though. Over gory though. The most it's, traumatic scene for me was when they're in uh, Tywin and Arya, and they're torturing all the people outside, and they're just standing like cattle. And by mm. random chance, they select who they want to die that yeah, day. Yeah, that's quite scary, yeah. That, 
That is just traumatic. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot, now you talk about it, there is quite a lot of bleak things in this show, isn't there? <laughs> it's pretty yeah. bleak, yeah. There's not a lot of happiness. Oh, no, they then do... Um... They don't have a musical episode, that's for fucking sure. <laughs> but there is a musical. Yeah, yeah. I, um... Right, so you know Winterfell. Mm. No, what is it? I just remembered that were you supposed to think that Winterfell is like the base? You know, everyone, all the characters, they're all like the North. They talk about the North like it's the greatest fucking thing. Even the characters that aren't from the North, they talk about North with such art. But you know what there isn't in the North? Anything to fucking do. There's not like, you know, every when Ramsay goes to it with his, you know, Bolton, Lord Bolton takes his son up there, he goes, look 700 miles that way, 300 miles that way, 250 miles that way, you're still in the North. And I remember thinking, but there's fucking nothing there. There's no Starbucks. And everyone looks fucking miserable. You need a Butlins. I'm just, you say all this, but they were like 700 miles. And if I was Ramsey Snow, I'd go, yeah, but what's there? And this is this is similar to, um, to Lord of the Rings, which we're going to be talking about soon on the podcast, is that it's amazing how when you take two steps out of your village, everyone you meet is a killer. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like there, there's some early episodes where like everyone they stumble across, like in the woods, is a fucking killer. Well, it's yeah, it's like the King's Road. It's like everyone's like, you shouldn't go alone on the King's Wood. So why don't someone fucking do something about it? Mm. There's all these armies. It's like, well, maybe you should patrol the King's Road. <laughs> Bandits, mate. It's the way forward. Fucking bullshit. If I was in fucking Game of Thrones, I would just sit there on the on the, on the God's Road and just be like, yeah, fucking apparently it's lawless here. Um, my favorite scenes. Said them before, and you mentioned it, alluded to it. Uh, anytime I Stark is with another, is is traveling or with another character, her stands stand out scenes of me with Tywin Lannister. They're so perfect. They're like velvet for the ears, mate. Mm. The gamesmanship, her trying to pretend something that she's not. Tywin getting closer and closer to the secret. Her kind of like ineptitude to. You see, I'm a big believer when I watch this is that she likes him, which is why she never says his name. Because it is time. She's still got two names to give. Yeah. And I think that she likes it. And afterwards, she's like, I should have said the name, but she, you know, maybe she doesn't. There's a reason she didn't. The, the banter that she has with Sir uh, Gregor Clegane, that the fact that she takes him off the list. You know, and when she's playing the the lying game, like the I like the wife, the like the female Terminator that beats her. I think she's fucking horrible. I think she's mm. great, uh, great acting there. But like she says, she was on my list. I hated him. And then she gets slapped. She's like, I grew to like him. And you're like, yeah, I Stark. With uh, the Hound or Time and Last. They were my standout moments. They were brilliant. Also, the scenes very early on where she's learned to fight with the wooden swords. Yeah. That, tr- that, that, is, that is foreshadowing like that That's character, really isn't it? Stabbing with a pointy end. Stabbing with a pointy yeah. end. There's also a great scene. I really like a scene as well when she's with the Brotherhood because like you, I love the Brotherhood. I love... Um, I always, I always forget the actor's name, Dennis Pennis, who plays Taurus and Mir, you know, because he'll always be that wind-up merchant. Um, he was really good... She, her, her scenes with him and like Gendry wants to join him but then she gets sold to the Red Woman you know mm. that's all brilliant to me they're all fantastic that series is fucking mint gold um, standout scenes in the late one you know Game of Thrones was notorious for its huge battles I for one absolutely fucking adore the best fight scene for me I like you know Battle of the Bastards everyone will talk about the Long Night which I'm sure we'll get into in a second uh, but for me it's the Battle of Hardhome because I mm. didn't see it coming. Which one was that again? That's when he goes north of the wall to talk to Wildings to get him to come north, uh, south of the wall, and mm. the the army of the dead attack. Because I've read the books and it wasn't in them, so it was a genuine surprise for me. Oh, is that when they all rise when the Night King like? Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene that was that, badass. That, that to was. me was my favorite battle scene because yeah. it, because it was a complete shock. I was like, I know where this is going. Jon Snow dies at the end of this series. I know everything. You can't teach me. And I was like, well, why is it going to Hardhome? <laughs> <laughs> and he shows up, and it was fucking brutal, mate. I, I loved it. The Night King to me is, do you want know the, the Night King kills people, reanimates the dead, does all his bollocks, but do you know what I hate about him the most? He was all fucking smug. 
Mm. Yeah. Like, especially when he takes out that dragon. He's just like, mm, he's got a sheen grin. <laughs> That's what I fucking hate about him. He's an arsehole. Yeah. Gorgeous eyes. Gorgeous eyes. Great shot. Can't, well. can't, can't, can't follow them eyes. I see blue. Yeah. And then, there you go. That's a brilliant scene as well. When, um, uh, that calls back that's that's something that called back which I didn't realise when I first meet the lady in red the scarlet woman she says you'll close lots of eyes green eyes red eyes blue eyes and then in the final in the final series when she's at the long night she's like you'll close many eyes and then, and then it's really in the nose it's like red eyes green eyes and then she like stops me and goes blue eyes <laughs> and then I was like oh yeah I will kill a lot of people <laughs> um, but no you know what they're all stand out they're all brilliant going to onto the long night you know I thought it was fine. You know, a lot of people said, a lot of people said, you can't see anything. Well, one, that's the point. It's scarier. Like when you can hear the army of the dead coming at you, that's terrifying. I really liked it. I know a lot of people didn't like this whole episode. It was one huge battle. A lot. Of, it was anticlimactic. I, I disagree. There was yeah. plot armor. I, yeah, I do. Uh, weirdly, I don't think enough characters died. Yeah, massively. Jamie should, I fully believe Jamie should die. Jamie should never have gone to King's Landing again. Jamie should have died there. Uh, you know what if he'd gone full redemption circle he should have died there but at the same time I don't know he had to try another woman that wasn't his sister you know so that doesn't happen to uh, yeah, that gets convenient do you want to accept that I, I think that's true but there's a lot of characters that I've thought well, how have you survived this however the Oli uh, riders the Dothraki get their swords in flames oh that's a badass and moment and they run away into the darkness and then you see like I think you go to Lord Friendzone <laughs> And you see him looking at the... Oh, no, he goes out there. You go to a character and you see the battlefield and all you see is the flames get extinguished very quickly. And then you think... Damn. You think you're um, I loved... I like that episode. I think that episode's really good. Mm. I love... I actually quite like it. I do agree with Esther. Not enough people die, though. I did like that about the, the, the deads, you know, like how they raise a dragon and they raise an ogre and all that shit. And you're like, fuck... It's not enough that you can't defeat them, but, but they can neat. also raise your guys. Like, well, that's halfway through the battle when it looks like they're depleted. The Night King comes down and he raises all the battles because, and there's someone we didn't mention in my second favorite character who I should have mentioned, Liana Mormont. If she fucking badass, mate, do how does she die? She dies killing a giant. Yeah, could, she's I mean, Jack person, her a bit, yeah. biggest villain. Yeah, but she oh, she's was just brilliant. been cast in something as well, and she's something massive. I can't remember what it oh, was. Well, I, I watched Last that. I heard was Worst Witch. She got that straight off the back. Mm. Well, she's so, no, there's something big coming out that she's just been cast in. Worst witch, is not yeah. Oh, there we go. Let's <laughs> Google it. Right. But um, I still think everything, every scene, she was brilliant. I love everything. I love the the Battle of the Bastards because it was different. You know, it was kind of like crushing. You know, when I like, kind of crush people, it was it, every scene, every battle scene showed you something different. Mm. Um, she's in The Last of Us. I was going to say, I was going to guess at Last of Us. But, uh, Do you know what? She'd be it. cracking in that. Is it Hugh Jackman or is it? No, it's is Pedro it? Pascal. Oh, shocking. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Um, I think there's a lot of standout moments. And like I said earlier, there's not one single scene, uh, one single season that doesn't have an epic standout moment. Even if you hate the last season, the bells, which is the sacking. Mm. That's what's, what I really liked about that is the season had, every season had built up and talking about what it's like to survive a siege. And everyone tells it how horrible it is. You know, when a siege happens, don't use your dragons because it'll be horrible. It delivered what it set up seven other seasons talking about. And mm. you know, I... I don't want to be in a siege with dragons. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I mean, I knew that from Reign of uh, Reign of Fire. Like, oh, I, that's true. Uh, I forgot about Reign. Did you want Reign of Fire? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I like the um, the people were like, "Oh God, but she went mad at the end." It's like, yeah, it's mm. at least you know. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I was all, I was all for that. I, I thought because oh, we'll get into that in a minute. I guess 
All right, standout moments continued. Feel free to jump in at any point, but I've also got here Joffrey's death. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Everyone was waiting Incredible. for that one. Fucking deserved it. Do you know what was good about him is when uh, when the lady of uh, Tyrell dies, Lena. Lena dies, she fucking gives it, she's like, your son tell died. Cersei. Yeah, tell Cersei. I want to know it was me. Like, that was worth like the four seasons away. He was like, yes, mm. fuck you. Because also we didn't see it coming. We didn't know it would be her. She's quiet through the whole time. She acts shocked. She plays the part. And then all of a sudden, bitch, well, it was she'd me. she'd never seen the poison work before. Mm-hmm. I, I thought she was played she was inch perfection. Yeah. Well, have you seen photos of Elena Rigg, who plays Elena? Mm. Ne- oh, sorry, Diana Rigg, next to Natalie Dormer. They look alike. Well, oh, I've, mate, I've, they I've, could be siblings. I've seen them in the same scene together. <laughs> no, Diana Rigg when she was young. Joffrey, Joffrey's death was well deserved. That was a good way to die. Like it painful. Satisfying. It was satisfying. It's a king's way to go as well, isn't it? At that mm. time, poisonings. There's something like it's something personal about it, isn't it? You and know? also with it, with Game of Thrones, it led to so much more, and that's what well, everything, everything that happens, to lead to more. They often say as well that when uh, women murder, they tend to use things like poison and stuff because it's, it's less true. bloody and brutal. Mm. You can distance yourself a not, bit. Not the strangler though, mm. which was the poison he was doing. That's right, I'm a nerd. <laughs> You've just been plotting and researching, haven't you? Yep. Also, I just listened. <laughs> so I think we Game of Thrones is, is as we talked about, is renowned. It's it's appraised. It's accolades are incredible. We can't do this podcast without talking about the last season then. So the last season is the most divisive. A lot of people say the, the writing gets weaker. However, I've rewatched it and I'm a firm believer in I'm fine with it. I do have problems with it, but I still think as a last season, it's okay. You're always going to find no one likes the ending or something brilliant. There's very few times. Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. bad. That's, that's okay, but Breaking Bad, but The Sopranos, anything else. Lost. Lost has got a terrible ending. But if you think about it, the problem with Game of Thrones is that it's the last two seasons should have been about four or five seasons. Think about how big the books are, how much well, they pack in. There's at least another three books well, coming. Like the, 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 it's, the thing is it had to end because these actors are getting too big and the, yeah, no, they, I get have, that. they haven't so, jumped to an end. And, the, and any TV show, show that gets eight seasons is good. They've, they've had a good run. So, the, so season seven only had seven episodes and season eight only had six or five episodes. What they should have done is they should have, and this is how I would have said it. They should have been 10 episodes. They should have kept the amount of seasons. They should have done it. And they should have ended season seven with the night, the night King attack. Yeah. So the night King attack is, I think it's rushed. You spend all this time building it up and it's, it is rushed. It is rushed. But also you spend the first two episodes of that season. It's wasted time because they're all sat in Winterfell jerking each other off. Yeah. But then you <laughs> get some great episodes in that. You do. You get Rian being knighted. Yeah. But that's cool. I like that. But at the same that's time. That's a quick moment. But that's what I would have had at the end of last season. So because what's most important in the Game of Thrones? Is it Game of Thrones or is it the Night King's Assault? To me, it's the Game of Thrones. The Night King's Assault is a great story. So I think season seven ends with the end, you know, it ends with the Nightwatch. But you could have also kept those two seasons. Remember what I said? I said it's seven episodes. If you've taken the first three episodes of season eight and stuck them on the end of season seven, there you go. Brilliant. Mm. Season eight opens with the burial or the burning of the bodies. And then that's when you have another nine episodes to develop what you develop. I don't mind the ending. I know Esther hates the ending because this is an argument we've had many times already. I just don't understand how... So you've built it all up. You've got this intrigue. Cersei's playing her own game. It's fantastic. So you've got, right, let's all band together. The North has decided to, we'll go with Daenerys. We'll do what we need to do in order to get the Night King solved. And after that, we'll settle our petty squabbles. We'll settle politics after we've gotten rid of the threat of literal life and death. Mm. Yes, Cersei's not doing that. Yes, she should... Cersei's armies are bitch fodder. (laughs) They are literally well, they spend bitch all fodder. this 
they all these series talking about the red the red army. This is such a big deal. We're trying to get all the money from the Iron Thro- Iron Bank. The golden and army. That's yeah. That's it. Sorry. Oh, okay. And then there's just about ten of them standing outside a gate. Yeah. Done. Did it, did it get, and we don't done. know at this point. We don't know where Ed Sheeran is. We don't. Is he safe? Is we don't know. Did he get home? I don't. Did he not? So and what you've got is right. So what I don't understand is you know the traveling thing that everyone seems to moan about in the last few series. Why does it matter to me? To me, it's like it's, it's the twenty four conundrum. So when season twenty four one came out, they wanted to be realistic. So the traveling took when Jack had to go to like a terrorist compound. It actually took him two episodes to get there. But the thing is, they do stuff in it. So. There's no wasted time within the journeys because they're, but, just the political intrigue is building. It should, but at this stage, those characters are gone. So you needed to get rid of Varys and you need to get rid of Littlefinger because when it's the army of the dead, you don't need those. Those characters are redundant because what are they going to do? Play hanky-panky behind the Send Night a raven. Back. Send a raven somewhere. Yeah, but it's not necessary. So that's, do you know what? Send a raven, Bran can carry it. He is the raven. Yeah. Right, so you've got a problem with Bran being the king at the end. Hmm. However, when I watched it this week, the reason I like it is because it's the end. Bran becoming Bran the Broken becoming king of Westeros and the Six Kingdoms because he lets the North secede, which I've got a massive problem with. How do you let the kingdom secede when you've got two Starks on the two thrones? It's bullshit. Anyway. He's not a Stark anymore. He's not a Stark anymore. He's Bran the Broken. He is the three. He's a bit on the nose, isn't it? That the guy who gets paralysed in the first season is the guy that wins it. It's a bit too like... Also, everyone's got a better story than him. Let's be honest. But then also, if he's still alive by the eighth season, what the fuck? Like, of course he's going to win it because he's, you know... He's got piggyback for most of it, mate. Yeah. He's really lazy, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Just got dragged around. Work on the cardio. Well, I... So this is why I think it's perfect because what they're talking about is they're talking about the end of uh, hereditary rule. Now it will be ruled by committee. They will pick someone and they will be the king. Then when they die, they'll all come together and they'll pick another one. The reason they pick Bran is because he's got a better story. It's the birth of Superstar. It's the birth of a story that they can tell. And that's what Tyrion says. He gives a great speech. And Peter Dinklage, even through this poor writing, he's still a phenomenal actor. Who I was gives... going to say, he, he gives it weight, but you know. So what they're doing is they're talking about like birth of personality, the court of personality. It's no longer who you're born. It's the story you can tell. And the story he pitches is he goes beyond the wall. He's a king that's lived. And also, he's not Bran Stark. He's not Brando Stark. He's not Brando Stark. He's a three-eyed raven. So he's got the history of Westeros. So as the first one, he will be able to tell us everything. His story is everyone's story. Makes sense. It's a good building flock. I don't mind Bran, the broken being ruler, because it makes more sense than any other fucker. Then why the does it make a big deal in the series before saying he can't be the ruler of Winterfell? No. Sansa says, oh, look, the Lord of Winterfell has returned. I'm no longer important. And he says, no, I cannot hold a title. So how can he be the king? He doesn't want to hold the title of Winterfell because... No, he can't. They say right, he can't. For, for love of God, woman, I'll have this argument with you again. What's the we'll phrase? Fight. A Stark must be in Winterfell. He's no longer a Stark. Cannot Just, hold a title. No, that's not what I said. I said that's st- what they say. He doesn't say that. He says he doesn't want the title. He's like, he's not a Stark. He's not a Stark, so we can't rule Winterfell. I'm Ladies just, and gentlemen, let's help me win this argument. No, I'm, because I'm just, you're wrong. I'm just going to come in. I'm, I'm changing my house words to <laughs> wizards welcome. <laughs> I'm just, just house Aaron. So wizards welcome. Where do you stand on this? This is a clear I, 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 uh, I, I didn't. Mind, I didn't mind the ending. It is. I don't. We said this numerous times. You don't. You can't judge a TV series by its ending. No, you, you can't. can't. And you know, Dexter's a fucking fine example of that, which restarts tonight. It does, on the, and that that trailer looks fucking awesome. Yeah, I I've genu- been, genuinely the how, revival. How I thought it was going to happen. I I thought Daenerys was the the, the scene was going to play out with Daenerys walking to the throne, and Dinklage and all those guys going like you know slapping their backs and saying, "Oh yeah, we're going to go get some wine." 
and the camera zooms in on her and as she sat there and, you know, her face kind of starts to drop and then the camera goes down and there's blood coming out of, you know, mm. like... Do you like, know what? That would have been so much better. Like a, a, you know, yeah, she moves it. it kind of like Christopher Walken at the end of um, that Kings of New York movie where yeah. he's in the back of the taxi bleeding. Like I, That's how I thought... And the question would have been, was it worth it? Was all the yeah. death, exactly. destruction? So and all I stuff. love that. So, Whereas, what, so Daenerys goes crazy. Great, like you see that. She doesn't go crazy. Fine. So she, her I craziness don't know, James. unleashes. I think that's a bit crazy. Right. <laughs> what, so you said this, and this is, right, I'm going right back. In episodes one, two, and three, back to this podcast, listeners, go back in time. You said there's only something like seven storylines. Seven storylines in film. Seven yeah. storylines. This is the storyline. Who's the most. Right, so the whole of Game of Thrones up until this point has been about who's the most evil. Joffrey liked to torture animals. Uh, Ramsay liked to torture people. Euron liked to torture, like, whole groups. What we're talking about is we're talking about different threats. The one villain they hadn't had was the villain who thinks they're right. She comes into it, and it's all down to the speech that she gives to Dothraki and the Unsullied, where she says there are more victims. She's trying to break the wheel. What she's done isn't actually against character. If you Every time that she's... I know, I can hear, I can hear, still already getting off. Everything she's done is actually not against character. In Marine, she pulled up 163 royals and, and crucified them. Yes, it had happened to kids before, but at the same time, what she did was vicious. When she went to the great, uh, when she gets captured by the Dathraki riders and she goes to the great, she burns them alive. Whenever she's left to her own devices, I'm not saying because she's nice. she thinks she's right, she goes to the fire extreme. She thinks she wants to burn uh, King's Landing to the ground and start again because it's a symbol of the corruptness that then she believes what, she's against. I, so I agree with everything you're saying. Then, but Amelia Clark plays it in that last season like she's gone crazy. Yeah, yes. that's the that's the problem. And it's what, partly that, and it's partly that, but it's also so she's lost um, Missandei. Mm. She's lost. We, is that her name? <laughs> we, I don't. Do you know what? It's all right. No, I know. We, we all haven't know even talked about Grey Worm. Fuck him. He's gone in balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was very easy. We talked about him a lot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've, we, she's lost her best friend. She's lost her confidence. Jorah's doing his own thing. She, he's, dead. he's died. Well, he's, do you know <laughs> what? He's finally free. He's, he's free just, from the friend zone. Just taking a long nap. <laughs> <laughs> the forever sleep. <laughs> But he's done all those things and all of a sudden she goes from, yes, she gets rid of the slavers and she crucifies them. I'm not saying she's nice. I'm not saying I'm going to invite her around for dinner. But she's always protected the innocents. That's been her line. So who she thinks is the innocents. I'm not saying she's great at it. Yes. So why did she go and kill all the no, people in King's Landing? She says she wants to break the wheel for the freedom of the people in King's because, Landing. Because they, she, they're not free. The one thing you've got to remember is, right, and this is, I'm glad you mentioned this point because this is how I'm going to win, hopefully. You think? Is, you just mentioned that why does she kill the innocent people? Because she's a foreign invader. She's a Khaleesi. She is... She... But they, she wants... These are the people she she, she believes she rules. She doesn't because the speech she gives is the people who remember the, the, the ways of old, they're the ones that are wrong. She's a conqueror who believes she's right. So she wants to burn the whole thing down and start again. But these are her people. She's the... She, that's the... Of the Andals. They're, they're not her people. The people are the people she brought with us. They're, the, they're her people because she grew up in Essos. She is a Khaleesi. And I believe this is the argument we led to. You've got to think of Daenerys Storborn not as a queen, but as a ruler of, like, a Carl. She brings, what she does is she's a conqueror. She comes and she runs right. She's not a queen. Thus, it's acceptable, Ryan. No, 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 oh, no. Here we no, go. I'm go. not having it because... But you're wrong. I'm not wrong. So she's I'm, come over. When she conquers, she brings those people with her. Everywhere she goes, she builds a population and brings I'm, them with her. I'm going to I'm gonna bring this to an end because I'm conscious of the time of the episode and the fact that... You know, it's I've, nice knowing you. It, uh, this relationship I, might end. Yeah, <laughs> but so I'm going to get Esther your closing point. 
do you know what? If they'd have expanded the last two seasons, took a bit of time, took a breath, been a much better series. But it's always going to be a classic. Is that, I think Esther did point out earlier, is that they had a character that would have explained everything. Peter Baelish, had he not died in the seventh season, he doesn't do anything until he dies. If he had stayed alive and in the season eight, after, like I say, they they shuffled it around, season seven's 10 episodes. They take the first three episodes of season eight, stick him in there, but keep Lord Baelish alive, keep him in the crypt. And then in season eight, he starts dripping poison into Daenerys Targaryen, first of a name, coffee cup finder, on maiden of logs or whatever. She, he starts dripping poison into her ear because she's always tempered by whoever she's with. She, when she's on her base, she's evil. You know, her because she thinks she's right, and that's the worst kind of villain. When a villain thinks they're right, they're, they're, they're most dangerous. So her people aren't the people from Westeros. She's a conqueror. She's an invader. She's a Carl. She's a Khaleesi. She's not a queen. She comes and she destroys. Now, if Lord Baelish gets in her ear, that explains what happens in season eight. So I've actually got no problem with it, except for Sansa. Sansa go fuck herself. I hear a storyline. I like, I like that phrase there, like the villain, like when she believes it, you know, because could you imagine that scene in the last episode, like, God, was it worth it? Yeah, I was, yes. I was just, you know, just be bored. Something's to do. Something, yeah, I just had these dragons. I thought, just go fuck some shit up. Do you know what? Let's change the pace a bit. Let's see what we fancy today. That's what she's doing. Yeah. Um, can you imagine me stuck in the arsehole of Essos? I was like, sand, fuck that. I know, it just gets everywhere. It's it coarse, it's dry. <laughs> just Star Wars she just again. wants some water. Some fresh water, please, man. I think you both right. I think you both got challenging. Uh, no, no, but I am because because I don't. I, I'm not as invested in Game of Thrones as you two. I enjoyed it for what it was. I loved. I loved the worldwide phenomenon it became. I thought we. Were, it was. It was. You know, those those of us that watched it. I know, as James, you said at the beginning, there were those that didn't, and they wore that proudly that they did watch Game of Thrones. But those of us that did in that final season, it was great, wasn't it? It was a great time in television history. It you was. know, the biggest show on 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 HBO and, and around the world, and people were glued to the TV set to see how it happened. You, you were never going to please everyone, yeah. you know. And some people are going to love it and think it's their bread and butter. You, I think it's actually you two talking about it the way you have is brilliant because if you both agreed on everything, it wouldn't be interesting to listen to. So that I think that's the take home message. All it cost was our relationship. <laughs> Good knowing you. The um, so the, the I suppose then the, the final question is repeatability. So you've rewatched it now, James. Yes. Is this something that I'm going to go to Esther? Is this something that you would revisit? Do you know what I would? Because it's got nostalgia, it's got memories, it's got depth, and there's I think especially the early series of Baelish and Littlefinger, you don't Baelish is Littlefinger, Varys and Littlefinger, you don't realise how much is going on until you rewatch it and you see mm. the seeds. I think the best thing about Game of Thrones is all the prophecies and the foretelling. So you've got Maggie the Frog who tells Cersei all those things. You've got the who's going to be a zero high. There's so many different things going on that you're looking for traces of throughout. Uh, Aaron, would mm. you rewatch? I will when the time's right. I think for me, it's getting over the hurdle that there's eight seasons yeah. and there are certain things I'm going to have to see, like the Red Wedding. I'll probably skip mm. that episode. Um, you watch it with someone who's seen it and just look away at the right times. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's one of them things that I would feel uncomfortable. Like if I knew someone hadn't seen it, it's very hard to like not warn someone and say it's a grim bit, man. Like that is a seriously grim episode and kind of give a bit of forewarning. It's not pleasant. It's, it's that it is the most taboo episode I felt in the whole mm. show. And there's head crushing and there's incest and there's all sorts of other ch children hanging and burning. It's not going on in there. There's a, it's but grim, you know what? Man. 10 out of 10 story most of the time. Not enough wizards though. So it's not getting 10. <laughs> Nine and a half. I'll give it that. Um, yeah, I think I'll movie person, not enough wizards. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will revisit it, but not in a not in a hurry. So my last question to you, and probably the way one of the reasons we answer, we started this episode, 
Will you be watching the spin-off Dance of Dragons? No, House of Dragons. I will purely for the because I want because I'm a slut for being involved in this kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will watch it. It depends how it's released. If it's weekly, I'll wait till it all comes out. I, think I don't it, think I could wait. I think I'm going to be on it. It's going to be a weak thing. Matt Smith, some other famous people whose name I can't remember. Um, no, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm really mm. liking it. Oh, It'll Paddy, be good. Paddy Constant. Paddy oh, I definitely watch it for Constantine. So, so. Um, yeah, so it, it was fun. It was, that was an episode. So that was it. Uh, next week, we're doing Lord of the Rings. We're keeping medieval, mate. Just swords. Swords and fuckery. And fucking <laughs> wizards next week. Fucking wizards. Uh, and then uh, next time, at some point, we'll do another TV show. Um mm you know, review, revamp, probably something like the X-Files. Yeah. <laughs> or something shorter. <laughs> That's our show for this week. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Bye. I bent, didn't I?